The name's Bond. James Bond. What do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Grow up, 007. <laughs> this never happened to the other fellow. I'm the man. Every penny of it. So you put your money where your mouth is. Well, that's quite a nice little nothing you're almost wearing. I approve. I'll do anything for a woman with a knife. Shocking, positively shocking. You get your clothes on, I'll buy you a nice trade. <laughs> Welcome back to Double Oz 7 for a very special non-movie episode and a very special non-interview episode and a very special non-social media page episode. <laughs> so we're talk about the books for maybe the fourth time on Double Oz 7, uh, but for maybe the first time ever, Ben will actually be contributing because he picked up the uh, school-age skill of reading uh, just read many decades later. Ben read multiple books that he's flashing on screen right now. Uh, what you am were I there. flashing on screen? <laughs> you, you were all present when Ben read a book. Well, now we're going to triple it. Ben read three books. Uh, and if you don't believe it, um, he is going to give you an oral report here uh, over <laughs> the next hour for long this takes. We want oral My first. name... <laughs> My name is Colin, and you only read thrice, Mr. Ben. And my name is Noah, and some have said that I'm quite a hoagie Carmichael type. And my name is Ben, and see, spot, run. See, oh, wait, no, hang on, I can read these words now. This is Ben speaking. This is an open line. It's an emergency. Can you hear me? <laughs> this is been waiting 34 years for that. I know. 34? Thank you, Noah. You made me younger. I like you. I, I, w- I was going to say this is the episode that our listeners have been waiting, what, six years for? But it's yeah, it's the episode Ben's parents have been waiting three plus <laughs> decades for. Ben read a couple of books. I know. It's so good. And also, can I just say, say I'm honoured that basically I'm the first person who basically gets an episode all about them. So um, suck it, you two. Uh, thank you very yeah, much. It- I, I'd love to go back in our chat to find out if it was Ben that suggested the Ben Waterworth Vanity episode. It was Noah. Week, but... It was totally Noah. Noah was Noah. the one who was like, oh, I really want this. I really want that. So it's all Noah. Blame him. He's he's the best host. When are we going to have like the Noah Catches COVID episode or the Colin Gets Breakfast brought wow. to him episode? <laughs> the Colin Gets Breakfast brought to him is every episode. So. Yeah. <laughs> Made some money just by saying that, really. <laughs> But yeah, this is uh, this is the episode at least Noah and I have been waiting for for a long time. Somebody else to share our opinions on or somebody else to hold a different opinion from ours that we can make fun of. Because uh, I already know that we're going to disagree with some of his thoughts here. Uh, but Ben, you read the first three novels. So Casino Royale, Live and Let Die and Moonraker. And uh, of course, Noah and I have done a books episode. We did a books ranking episode. You've heard some of our opinions before, but now we get to, I guess, debate our opinions, maybe just go a little bit deeper into it. But uh, no, I'm going to skip you because you've given your thoughts already. Uh, Ben, you read three books. How did this happen? What what possessed Uh, you? What do you want? First of all, listening to this song. Get done with because it probably won't come up later on. So why not? Um, Not fans don't read. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no they don't but i'm bucking the trend and i'm educating the gays um i i think <laughs> what was that noah that's pretty gay it is. <laughs> um, 
Um, I'm just sick of being made fun of. Uh, I'm sick of you two just constantly berating me for not reading. Um, you know, I, I wanted to learn to show my two dads off that I can do these things and I am capable of education. So uh, I did it and I read them. Um, honestly, I have always wanted to read them. And I, for some reason, have never read them. So I guess after nearly, what, seven years of this show, I felt the urge to. I like buying things. I have bought. I started buying these books when I lived in Canada. They're How many times have you bought the books before well- <laughs> you read them? <laughs> he owns really about my- 10 copies of each. Not really my fault why I had to leave half of them back in Canada. I couldn't exactly bring them with me because I had to bring my other life back with me. But anyway, so I left them in Canada. So I started buying them again. And then I thought, well, I finally should start reading them. So got around to it. Read Casino Royale pretty quickly. Um, Read Live and Let Die. I stretched that one out a bit. I read like half on a plane, left it for a little bit because I was sort of doing (laughs) people in New York and then finally decided to read it when they started drying up. And then since I've been back in Hobart, I haven't had much to do. So I read Moonraker in basically a week. So, um, and that was also because I wanted to do this episode with my two dads. So, yes. Now, go ahead, Noah. I do do laugh that, like, because not only has it taken seven years, I think, Ben, this is like one of the first books you've ever read, right? And I'm not even being, (laughs) I'm not being silly. I'm just, I'm not, it's the first. Some people don't read. It's probably the first non-fiction, uh, first fiction books I have read in probably more than a decade. I, I like, I, I honestly do. Wally. I honestly do read every now and then. I get in moods, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I want to read. So, you know, I've read all of Nicholas Susick's books. Um, I, I was see that was what I was going to ask. I'm like, you've read three Ian Flemings. How many Nicholas Susicks have you read? He's got like, well, there's only one I haven't read. He's released another one recently. He's, I think, he had five or six before that. Um, I read Mark Edlitz's book. I read that book for the off the podium. Two books are off the podium. I'm about to read a third. I I read nonfiction books. I honestly I like sort of you, you know books on sporting people and and the Olympics and Formula One. That's what I read. So I haven't read a fiction book probably since I last reread Jurassic Park, and that was more than a decade ago. So it's been a while since I've read a story. And now I've read three of them. But, but when you and now you're hooked. Um, I am. But when you started reading Casino Royale, I remember thinking, "Oh, like I've got so many books uh, I've got on my shelf, I need to get through." But you were talking about it. I'm like, "Oh, I really want to reread it." So Ben read Casino Royale, and that kick tr- started a trend that I read all of the thirteen books <laughs> before well, he had read Live and Let Die. Did you read all thirteen of them? Jesus, you really can't get a date. <laughs> uh, well, the good thing is I found them on PDF, so it's like, oh, this kind of looks like work. It looks like I'm reviewing some sort of manuscript. I, for they are work. easy to find online because I, when I literally was um, waiting in line to try and get Macbeth tickets for like an hour and a half, I'm like, oh, I should have brought Live and Let Die with me. I'm like, oh, well, that be a bit silly, me waiting in line to see a Bond actor while reading a Bond book. So, like, I just quickly got on my phone and I typed in, like, Live and Let Die novel, and within three links I found it on, like, somebody just copied the whole text and on a website, so I was reading it there. So I read some of it that way as well. So they're easy to find online. Well, all all three of us have actually read these books more recently than the last time we did a book. Oh, rub it in! Uh, <laughs> you read all thirty-two. I've read three. All right, it's an achievement. It's taken seven years. <laughs> well, it was, it was, in love. It was last <laughs> summer when I'm like, okay, 
maybe I'll reread all these books before No Time to Die comes out. Maybe it took me longer than when No Time to Die came out to, to finish them all. But yeah, I reread them all. Uh, I, I felt like I was going to say, you know, oh, I'm privileged because Canada is the one country in the world where, you know, the, the Fleming books are now in public domain. And I only have to spend $1.99 to get all of them in one collection on my, my e-reader. But uh, I, I overpaid because you got to sound this for free. Um, <laughs> I'm reading it at work. Ben's reading it at Big Beth. I, I, I literally got Sean Connery out of the grave to read it to me personally. He's like, hello, Ben, I'm going to read Moonraker. <laughs> also wondering, how hard would it be for me and Noah to convince Ben that Ian Fleming's Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is nonfiction <laughs> so he can actually complete the whole Ian Fleming collection? I've seen that movie. It's, it's funny that you said that because after I finished reading them all again in order, which was the first time I've done it in order, I then did actually read Chitty Chitty Bang Bang <laughs> The Diamond Smugglers and Thrilling Cities. Uh, <laughs> neither of them, none of them are that thrilling, to be honest. But, well, I read uh, three books. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this. Ben's like, I got an episode dedicated to me, and now no one's calling her upstaging me. Yeah, well, what, what, else else I, what else have I read recently? <laughs> <laughs> I have four here and another one on my bedside table ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny because job yesterday... <laughs> Yesterday, I, w- I was like cycling through about three or four books throughout the day. I'm like, oh, I'll read a couple chapters of this, a couple chapters of that, a couple chapters of that. So, yeah, Noah and I have read more books in the last 24 hours than Ben has in the last year. Yeah, well, while you're reading all those books, Noah, I was having sex. So, <laughs> not since you left Too New sorry. York. Come on, we all know. <laughs> well, that's true, actually. Um, but anyway, no one read me right in a couple of weeks. It's a bit of a dry spell. <laughs> I, I do. I do. It's a bit sad. We got bed on it, but now we're just talking about how much we've read. Yeah. <laughs> brag, 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 brag. Good job on well, the three book. Honestly, <laughs> I will say uh, I have been sick with something uh, recently, so I did listen AIDS. to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> He's got full blown AIDS. He's real yes. with it. <laughs> Colin and I, we're we're, we're there. <laughs> I expected it from Ben. Um, <laughs> In 22 years, age is finally funny. <laughs> uh, but I listened to you guys do the No Time to Die commentary, or at least a bit of it. And ben was, saying, ben was saying, oh, Noah wants to do it after three books. I don't know why he doesn't just wait for us to do all the books. <laughs> we did all the books. Colin would be dead. I, I would have left the show five years ago. <laughs> I've read three. Them. Three at a time is good. I see. I like. I. I mean, I will say with Moonraker that, like, I mean, I read that within like a week, and like straight away, I'm like, oh, okay. I, you know, I've got Diamonds Are Forever, so I, I'm it's on my bedside table behind me. I've been meaning to start reading it, um, but I haven't yet. Um, but I just ordered the next one, so like, I, I got. So I don't know why I had Thunderball and not like all the ones in between. I think it like came with, I bought Moonraker online and they just had it with it. So I'm like, okay, sure. But then like I bought the omnibus of like Dr. No, Goldfinger and Fury Eyes Only all together. Uh, they're all in one novel. And then I just got um, Spy Who Love Eat. What am I, no, is it, what is, what are the next ones? Dr. No, I'm Goldfinger, sure Fury Eyes Only. From Rush- no, well, I've got that. Doctor No, Goldfinger, Your Eyes Only. I don't have that. I've got Thunderball. It's the Spy Who Loved Me that I got next. I don't oh, know you'll enjoy that one. No, Your Eyes Only. Hang on, I'm missing some. <laughs> From Rush to With Love, Doctor No, Goldfinger, all in one, 
And then for your eyes only, I got separately. So I've got all of them you now know, up until Thunderball, but the other four haven't arrived yet. There we go. I know what the I'm The easy about. way to do this is when you turn to the last page of any of those books you just flash, it'll say, <laughs> other books by Ian Fleming. It's a cheat sheet. <laughs> well, I'm looking at the list of James Bond novels and short stories on Wikipedia, so shut up. <laughs> well, let's let's just kickstart it with Casino Royale, the first book, which one thing Ooh, I, I do remember notes. it. I, I, once upon a time when Ben first bought the books and sent once us a screenshot... I remember his question being, it's like, is there a specific order I should read it in? We were both like, yeah, chronological. <laughs> well, I mean, in all fairness, it's like, I don't think that's dumb of a question. If somebody came up to you and said, what order should I watch the Star Wars movies in? Like, I don't know if all these books are in, like, chronological <laughs> order. But I don't know. Like, I honestly don't know. Like, if, you know, Casino Royale, like, I know that's the first one, but Start then I don't. from Spy, Love Me and Work Your Way Back. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to start with Dr. No, then I was going to go from Russia with Love, then Goldfinger, then Thunderball. Like, I just thought that was the order, but no. Where's the Die Another Day well, novel? I'm still not there. <laughs> Where's that based upon? Uh, well, Casino Royale, you said you got notes. So let's start with just general thoughts on Casino Royale. I So I, I've been, I because I was reading these and I'm thinking, like, I probably should take notes because, like, I knew I'd get to this point now where it's, what, like, four or five months removed since I've read Casino Royale. I'm like, I don't remember shit. Like, so I've, I've written notes. So uh, I, I I will read what I wrote. Let's see if I can read what I wrote and see if I can remember it. So oh, uh, I said I'm it was, scared. Okay, <laughs> before reading these, what I remember is so very, like I remember you two always talking about how this is basically the movie, right? And yeah, it was very much the movie. Uh, with a few Were you exceptions. surprised by how close it is for a book from 1954? Not really, because I'm... Because it's one of the closest of all the books, really. Well, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I've read three, but, like, I mean, you know, <laughs> Live and Let Die, not really that close, and Moonraker, not <clears throat> not at all close. So, But I think I expected it because you two had talked about that before. Um, and I think, Colin, like, even, like, the whole ball-smashing scene, um, I remember, like, specifically asking you two, like, oh, like, is this legitimately what it's like in the book and you were like yeah it is um it's very easy to read like it's very quick like to the point like just kind of gets to it and like action just comes out of nowhere and like oh okay like cool he's getting like blown up because this is one where he was like at a cafe wasn't it and all of a sudden like there was like an explosion the bomb um yep um that um i (laughs) i didn't like vespa I just Ugh, thought she was oh, annoying. Uh, she's like, she's better in the movie. There's just something about her. I've literally written Vesper is a bitch and not likable. Um, I said, it feels a lot like the movie. I thought the sheaf wasn't that well written. Um, and I don't really feel there was a lot of background on like why he was evil and like, what the hell was the deal with him? Um, <laughs> I've literally written love still feels rushed, but explained slightly better. Um, I said, very enjoyable, a lot easier to read and understand than I thought hooks you in and makes you want to read the next one. Um, so yeah, they, they, I think we were talking about it the other day, particularly with Moonraker. I think, Noah, you said you feel like it ends, like you don't like how it sort of ends a bit quickly, but I think all three of them end very suddenly. Like that's one thing that kind of to me is like, oh, okay. They wrap that up very quickly and like, boom, that's it. Moving on. Um, and I think the one thing I would say out of all three of them, and I don't know if it's just because it's the first book, I feel like you don't really get to know James Bond that much in the first book, but I feel mm. you get to know him a lot more in the next couple. So, uh, but I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it, but I mean, if you want me to give you my rankings of the three of them so far, like, I mean, 
you can find out where I put it on my three that I've ranked so far. So but. far, it's number one out of the one we've discussed. So far, it's one from one. Yes. <laughs> what was the, because this is the first book and this is our first ever time hearing your thoughts on the books. What was the one thing that sort of surprised you about them that maybe you didn't realize the Fleming novels were this way or what was unexpected going into it compared to obviously you've seen the films a hundred times? I just think like where I said it was pretty quick to like quick to the point. Like I, I didn't know if this was like a really like drawn out and kind of over Like, I mean, if you've read Jurassic Park, Michael Crichton over explains everything. So like, it's kind of like, okay. And like, back to the one book. He's yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's going to be a lot and of comparisons to Jurassic Park. I read Bridget Jones's diary. C-Spot Run, there's so much exposition to find a why Spot Ran. But, like, I didn't, like, I get they're kind of, like, they're thin books. Like, they don't, they're obviously, you know, what, like, 200 pages long, if that for some of them. So, like, obviously I'm assuming there's they're not going to be super long, but, like, it's just how quickly it kind of gets to things um, and just the the manner in which it does. It's like the action, how it just kind of comes out of nowhere. It's not like you're... It's not like a movie where it's building up to like you're like, oh, we're gonna get some action in a moment. This just all of a sudden just literally comes out of nowhere. Um and one thing that I noticed in this book and all of them, and I said this to Colin the other day, why does James Bond like food so much in these books? And why is like three quarters <laughs> of the book of, about James Bond's food? It's always like he ordered eggs with scrambled toast, a uh, uh, three parts coffee, two pineapple slices. Scrambled toast. Like yeah. it's just it's the way <laughs> everything's all about food. <laughs> Is Ian Fleming always hungry when he's writing these books? Well, well, one of yeah. the things that that I always found funny with the 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 books is is James Bond's diet is very different because I think we mentioned this even in our yeah, from Russia with that. Love recap that like James Bond has a severe dislike for yogurt and yet James Bond orders yogurt in the 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 movies which was like oh that's mm. totally inaccurate but like he is basically like I want steak. Not well done. I remember in one of the books, it was very specifically, don't you dare bring it to me well done, which is great. Uh, he loves eggs. Yeah, he loves toast. But yeah, he's a very simple man as far as food goes. But, but you're right. Like, there's a lot of food talk in the books. I think the thing too, like, yeah, it's simple, but like definitely in like Casino, I got a lot in Moonraker is I can really get a sense of why he's so like proper and like, you know, like very like, you know, stylish and that like I you get a real sense of him like liking things to be, you know, the I think it was in Moonrake he's talking about how like English cooking's the best in the world and how oh, we're so sophisticated and all this huh. kind of stuff. And it's like, well, okay, Bond's getting a bit snooty now. And I kind of yeah, I, I can see how the movies took inspiration from all of that. Which one was it where he he I think it was Live and Let Die because I'm pretty sure it was like a um slamming americans where he's going on and on about how americans boil their eggs wrong like uh, he, living, he has he, i think it's living <laughs> the dog he, i mean he goes yeah. to a diner and he's just basically talking about how like this is like the worst thing he's like he's ever tasted in his life or something like that <laughs> you you do have to love and we'll get to it next one and in diamonds are forever is uh fleming's take on the americans um <laughs> but uh the, the food comment kind of sounds like a bit of a joke but that is kind of the charm of these books. Like, I think the books kind of come down to three different uh, aspects, and you have this sort of ripping yarn, spy, sort of adventure thriller part of them. Then you have this really sort of romantic, not literally romantic, but this sort of flowery. Uh, there's a chapter in Casino Royale with Bond and Mathis that maybe we can get to, and 
there's this real poetic poetic element to some of the books, but then there's all the so this sort of slice of life uh, element of all of the Bond books, and it's more prevalent in some than others. Where it is Bond, just what does he? Where does he live? What does he like? Uh, and Moonraker go does a lot of this uh, at the mm-hmm. beginning, and I think like that's a real element of the books that you can't really get in the films, and it's this mm-hmm. sort of you say that the books are really fast, which they are, but they are also quite slow in like, yeah, let's join Bond eating breakfast. And yeah, he likes scrambled eggs and black coffee and cold showers. Um, he always likes cold showers. But but, but you'll find you said does Fleming like food? I think you're gonna find as you go through these books that so much of this is what does Ian Fleming like? Uh hmm. that's why we go to Jamaica hmm. so much. Uh, and the food, and even like next book in Live and Let Die, clearly at the time he was interested in pirates, and then in Diamonds Are Forever, clearly he's interested in diamond smuggling, so he's going to write it. A lot of these books are literally just, what does Fleming like? And I'm going to chuck it into my... So he's also a bit of a racist. What am I interested in this year? So the food comment is actually a big part of it, really. Well, just respond to a couple of your, your opinions and adding some of my own for Casino Royale. One, as far as Vesper's character goes, like I, I, I can see what you're saying, but I think it's a it's a misunderstanding of the point of Vesper's character. I mean, uh, Noah and I have uh, discussed before, like to understand why James Bond is the way he is, why he is a womanizer, why you know he is very cold and emotionless. You have to read Casino Royale because there's a point, and the movie adds a lot to that as well. But the way that he treats people going forward is all because of Vesper and. I think part of you viewing her as being maybe unlikable. I mean, that is kind of the point I, for me. Every time I read Casino Royale, I always sort of finish it surprised at like how they're able to make you sympathetic towards Vesper in the end. Uh, you're sympathetic towards what happened to her, but then you also see it from Bond's point of view. Like, I think that's the thing with Vesper is that she's maybe not necessarily supposed to be likable because she's there to maybe make what's going to be unlikable about James Bond a little bit easier to take going forward. Yeah, I definitely can see that, but I just think, there's just something about her throughout that book that just didn't sit right with me. And I feel that like, I mean, in Live and Let, like, I'll just say this right now. I think Solitaire to me out of the three is by far the best Bond girl. And I think the love that Bond and Solitaire have is the best out of so all three that I've read. I, I loved it. Like I loved that connection they had. Um, and I liked kind of not really the twist with Gala Brand, but kind of the fact that they weren't ever really together. Um, so like that was something a little bit different. It's just, I don't know. There was just something with Vespa that just, just did not like, I just did not like her in that book. But like, I mean, I can see exactly what you're saying. I don't disagree with that. Um, I just honestly think maybe the movie, (laughs) I complain about the love in that movie, but I still think that it, I don't know. It's just, it, Vespa is so much more likable in the movie. (laughs) Like, I mean, way more likable. I will say that you, this kind of ties in with a comment that you said that James Bond was kind of underwritten a bit, which he was, I think, in mm. the first book, which I think partly is by design. But the one thing I really enjoyed reading in order is you really get to see Fleming's writing develop as they go along because this is his first novel and it feels like a first novel. Like it, it's one of my favourites because Cinderella Royale definitely is underdeveloped compared to how his writing later gets to him mm. from Russia with Love. Like, it's very basic, the writing. It's not very flowery. It's to the point. And I will give you that Bond is a bit underdeveloped, which I think is partly purposeful. 
But Vesper as well as a character is a little underwritten and underdeveloped. All of the characters are in this first book. And you see, even by Moonraker, you can see how much he's developed as a writer. Um, I also wonder, though, with Vesper, I mean, is she the one character that is intended to be underdeveloped? Because that is the twist at the end. You don't know enough about her. So with her, I'd almost give it a free pass that she's underdeveloped, even over Bond or Lashif. I can. I think it does work all around, even with Bond being so underdeveloped. Because you have to imagine you're reading this in '54, you don't know who this character is, so yeah. it kind of works that we get little trinkets of how Bond is and who Bond is and what he looks like. But a lot of it is just this sort of mysterious secret agent. I, th- I think, like, I mean, I can see why in the movie they made her kill herself the way she did because I, that was definitely one thing where it was. Yeah, I can imagine Mildred reading this in 1954 going like, it just comes out of nowhere that she kills herself. It's just kind of like, it's like, boom, here's a letter and explains everything. I'm like, okay, that just comes out of nowhere, but the end? Um, I was like, okay, the bitch is dead, sure. Like, I think that was a lot of where, like, maybe going back to what you said about how, like, what was I expecting or what, you know, did I read of it that I wasn't expecting, like, that to be so sudden. I thought maybe there was going to be something more. Like Moonraker, I think, did a good job in sort of the majority of the second half felt to me like it, Fleming wrote it where you could see the perspective of both Gala and Bond. Like you you were with Gala in the car, so you were knowing what was happening. You, she was there when she was discovering the plan of Drax and all that kind of stuff, which I really liked, whereas it's just kind of like didn't really do that with Vespa. And, you know, it's just kind of like, cool, by the way, I'm evil. Here's a love note. I've killed myself. The end. Like it was like, okay. <laughs> like it was just like boom done whereas i think like yeah it's kind of like that in the movie where it's kind of like he fine but like it's more dramatic in the movie and it's sort of you've got Cause you, you get to more. see her reaction to it so. yeah yeah at the same um, time that's part of what i love about casino royale as a novel that it's so unconventional and it's almost mm-hmm. a risk for him to do this in that the the climax is two-thirds into the book and then we have this yeah. whole sort of epilogue that is a third of the book of Bond and Vesper and don't want to get this started of how long it took them to fall in love and whatnot. Um, (laughs) But it's so unconventional for 54 and even for 2022 to have a novel that sort of ends two thirds of the way in. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of it is this whole other section that makes this book stand out from any other sort of ripping yarn spy thriller. Ripping yarn. Um, Which I have to say then, Ben, Vesper and Bond in the book or Vesper and Bond in the movie? Which love story do you buy better? Because you didn't buy the film, so did this sell you at all? I think, I think as I said, I think the love story sold a little bit better in the book. Um, but Vesper's way more likable in the movie. So, I mean, love story slightly better in the book, but not, like, not by much. Like, I was expecting it to be more developed. Still not completely sold, but, like, I feel that, She's much more likable in the movie, and the chemistry is better in the movie than I felt in the book. Because I feel just the majority of the book, I'm thinking, God, this, she's a bitch. You really do not like the book. <laughs> no, fuck the book, Vesca. She just, she just doesn't come across as likable. I'm sorry. She just doesn't. Two things, uh, just before we move on, two things I want to get uh, both of your take on. Um, I, I, I don't think you had read Casino Royale before seeing the movie. No, I, I remember going on my way to read it before I saw the movie. And I was initially disappointed only that the, you expect the movie's going to add so much action. So you also expect they're going to take every bit of action from the book and put in there. And the two sequences that are like very different, but they, they kind of have things in place of 
Uh, one, you mentioned it, Ben, the, the, the bomb scene that happens. I remember when the movie finished, and I was, oh, I wish they had that bomb scene because I love that. And the other one being the, w- the scene in the movie that takes the place of Bond being kind of held hostage at the card table, mm-hmm. uh, which they replace with when he's drugged and everything. I like and that. I remember thinking, like, I love the way Casino Royale played that scene. But thinking like, oh, but like it was done so well in the book. Is there a way to do either of you have opinions on book versus movie and how they actually played those two action scenes and why they were maybe left out of the movie? Yeah, well, I just, they did. I don't think Casino uh, Royale, the movie gets enough credit for how well they actually managed to make a 2006 action movie while basically keeping the entirety of this plot. Uh, but I do think it comes down to let's just not have Bond sitting down for as long as we can have him not sitting down for. Um, but I mean, you remember the bomb scene was in the, the 1954 uh, casino. Oh, they started with that, if memory serves me right. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a sucker for keep things the same, but I, I get why they develop, and I'm just impressed that they even managed to get that book to fit into that movie as well as they did. I, I liked that. Actually, I was I'm glad you brought that up, Con, because I remember that now in the book. Because the, they did that in the Barry Nelson one, didn't they? They did the whole, you know, held hostage at the table. I think they should have kept that in. That was kind of tense. That was kind of cool. I liked that sort of. It was it was interesting, particularly the way, like, Bond took over that. And the other thing, actually, I, I remember now from the book is they wanted to use Texas Hold'em because they thought Baccarat was too hard to explain. I learnt Baccarat in that book. And, like, I understood Baccarat in the book within five seconds. Like, I'm like, oh, this is an easy game. Why isn't this in the movie? Like, this is pretty simple. Not the freaking one they're doing in Moonraker. Jesus, got to do a diagram in that. And I still didn't understand it. But um, but I was like, why? Because poker was trendy? Like, keep Baccarat. That would have been way better. But, um, no, definitely, I, I wish they had kept that. Uh, I mean, the, the whole swallowing the, you know, the the thing that he does with like, you know, the, the mm-hmm. poisoning is still cool, but um, I, I prefer what they did in the book. I like that better. Now live and let die. We'll, we'll discuss this a little bit, but before we discuss anything, Ben, you got to tell us a story about why you actually stopped reading live and let die, or, <laughs> or I guess what, what happened while you had started live and let die on your plane ride. <laughs> well, I actually, I actually read Casino Royale very quickly because like, I actually started reading that maybe the day before I left for New York. And I think I read that like most of it on the plane to Melbourne and then a lot of it on the, because I had two 14-hour flights. So I think I read the rest of it on the flight where I connected in Qatar. So I read that within 24, 36 hours. So then I was like, okay. So I started reading a little bit. And the thing is with me reading, I'm not a type of person who can really sit down and read a book from like a, like all the way through in one go. I just, I can't do that. I get restless. I'm like that when I'm watching something, playing a game, like I'll get an hour or two in. I'm like, no, nah, okay, I've got to do something different. So if you, I mean, Colin, I don't know the longest flight you've ever caught. No, you've obviously caught very long flights. You sort of get into like, okay, I'll watch a movie. Okay, I'm a bit restless. I'll read. I'll do this. I'll do that. So I kind of alternated it. So live and let die. I'm reading through it. And then, get a few chapters in and then I'm on the flight to New York and I'm sitting next to three non-white people and I get to the chapter, the N-word chapter. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, shit. Like, I, oh, I knew this was coming. <laughs> and so I was kind of, like, doing this weird, like, kind of, <laughs> like, trying to read it as quickly as I could because it's, of course, at the top of, like, every page as well. And I'm just like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Then I finally got to the end of it. Um, and I think, like, I 
maybe like a hundred pages, not even a hundred pages in, maybe I did. And then I sort of, yeah, by the time I got to New York, just life was happening. I was in New York. I was, you know, distracted for a good month or so before I then decided to read the rest of it. But um, yeah, it was a bit awkward being on that plane with some of the language that I was, because uh, you just, you, you always get so awkward, like when you're like, oh, the person next to me is definitely snooping and seeing what I'm reading. It's like, ding, <laughs> report me to a flight attendant. He's reading a book with the N word in it. <laughs> I was going to end up on BuzzFeed by the time I landed. Uh, now, before we start disagreeing with you on your thoughts on Solitaire, your overall impression oh. of Live and Let Die. Um, I loved Live and Let Die. Um, I just thought like that was the book to me where it was like, okay, I can see why they made these into movies because it feels like a movie. Um, and it's just the locations, the descriptions, like everything about it. Like, yeah, it's does not age at all well. The the language in it is terrible. The the words, like the the making African Americans and and you know black people speak like that and oh, literally nah. like it's just it's just yeah, it's not good. But like putting that aside, everything else about it was just so entertaining. And I think like a lot of it too was. I mean, being in New York and reading the stuff about it was so well written and, like, it literally got to points where it was like, oh, they're describing Penn Station. I'm like, I'm in Penn Station. Like, and it was just like, oh, this is really cool. Um, And it just, yeah, I I like that aspect of it. But, like, the ending of it, like, I loved the whole bit of Bond having to, like, swim all that way and then, like, the description of, like, the undersea stuff and then just, like, even the storyline of just, like, the goal. like And Mr. Big was so much better in the book than he was in the movie. Like, he was so well written and so interesting and just Solitaire was just such an interesting character and I felt the chemistry between them was so good and the ending just sort of came out of nowhere. Like, but, like, it felt very desperate, like, them being on that boat and being dragged. Like, well, how the hell are they going to get away? Like, like... What are they going to do? They're not going to get out of this. Like, wow. Like, how did Roger Bond- handle this? Yeah, exactly. Where's the inflatable thing to blow his head up? Um, but, yeah, and also, so I'm reading my notes. I loved the Felix stuff. Um, I think it, it made me like living, uh, License Kill even more, and I love that movie. So I can kind of see, like, the, the bromance stuff going on between those two. And I think, like, Felix is fun in the books anyway. Like, you can just really see why these two are... You know, good friends, old buddies, all that kind of stuff, and then quarrel at the end. Like I, I can see why you two like quarrel so much, even more so by reading him in the books. Like I love him cooking for um, Solitaire and Bond, and it's like, oh, quarrel's cooking for Scram- her. I'm like, oh, was was it scrambled toast? I don't remember. I think so. <laughs> yeah, scrambled is a delicious scrambled toast. Um, but yeah, I just I loved it all. I really, I mean, I didn't love the racism, but I loved everything besides the racism. <laughs> you said it all. Love all the racism. <laughs> I want that back. I really hope that's in the newer Bond books. But I, I, I don't want to excuse the obviously the the way he uses the language in that it's. But I think one thing people have to understand: there is a difference between downright racism and maybe ignorance. And I, I see, I excuse "Live and Let Die" a little bit more than I do Goldfinger. When you get to Goldfinger, I'll have to get your take on that. Where I feel like Ian Fleming had some pretty harsh feelings himself towards a different race in Goldfinger that he definitely made known. I think the one thing that often gets forgotten about Live and Let Die is that a lot of, you know, the the way that he writes about Black people, particularly like people in Harlem and stuff like that, they present the other side. I mean, Felix is there to present the other side because Felix says in the book, it's like, yeah, I like Black people. He goes, they like me. I'm, I'm very popular in Harlem. And he even gives a defense in Live and Let Die that's always forgotten where he says, 
Uh, you know, if you take any group of people of tens of millions of people, you're going to find a bad batch in any of those groups. And that's the one thing that I think is important to remember. If you're going to give any excuse to some of the maybe ignorant, not not necessarily downright racist, but like ignorant racist stuff, just didn't know any better from Ian Fleming. Because, I mean, he's not American. He visited these places. You know, he's writing about maybe what he saw, glimpses of what he saw. But he did go out of his way to present a character who is taking the opposite position of others in that book and saying, it's like, no, they're not all bad. Just before Noah jumps in, I just want to say that I too am liked by black people because I wore my (laughs) fantastic fedora in a fried chicken shop in Harlem and I was commented by an African-American in a fried chicken shop in Harlem telling me how cool my hat was. He didn't say that, Colin, you're racist. But like, whatever, (laughs) I am liked by people in Harlem. And I'm just saying (laughs) that happened. You are feeling Good chicken too. I yeah. can't remember the name of that place, but it was a good. It was a good restaurant. Yeah, I was going to say give them a plug, but they weren't that good, I guess. Um, <laughs> I went there once. Good mac and cheese um, as well. Yeah, it's tough because I agree with you, Colin. That like, and he does go out of his way to mention. I I think it's M that mentions. Oh, some of the best scientific minds these days are black people, mm. and. Weirdly enough, they're quite complimentary to Mr. Big. Even though he's a crime lord, they kind of talk about how, wow, look how good of a crime lord he is, <laughs> uh, which is kind of a backhanded compliment. Um, and then, like, yeah, I think there's Felix, who's he's friends with them, and I think he's really complimentary about uh, black music, etc. which... And the women. Sounds women. like a... Women. Well, it sounds like a big thing, uh, not a big thing, but at the time, like white people were stealing black music left, right, and center. So to actually give some credit to that is uh, credit to Felix for 1955. Um, like this is just as Elvis is sort of coming up and stealing all the music. Um, so yeah, in in that way. But then you get the. The cafe, I think was it Ben that said to me off air, like the the way he writes their dialogues, like Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I said to me, I kept thinking Jar Jar Binks horrible. the whole time. <laughs> it's horrible. And yes, I do think some of it is a misunderstanding, but I was thinking about this today and I'm like, would I recommend this book to one of my black friends? And the answer is still probably no. So I do think Luckily yes, I you don't need have to look any black from, friends. Yeah, <laughs> you do need to. You need to look at it from both sides, but at the same time, at the end of the day, it is a big mark against this book. I think, and I've got positive things to say about this book, and Ben oh, yeah. did sum up a lot of the positives, and I've got more. But I still it, think, at the end of the day, like, are you going to give this to a black person to read? you're probably not going to, and that has to speak for something. Yeah, I, I totally get it, and I don't disagree with anything you say, but I think I can just remove myself from that because it's just I'm enjoying this as a story. Because you're, you're not Because I'm, I'm white. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I'm not black, so, you know, it's not going to have that same effect on me, but at the same time I'm educated enough to know that this was written in the, what, the 50s. We are now in the 2020s, and this is not how it is now, but, like, mm-hmm. That's why I was saying before, like, I enjoyed everything outside of, you know, the language and everything and kind of I like Colin's point there where, it, yeah, a lot of it comes down to to ignorance. But, like, I think, like, that's just where I can put all of that aside and be like, well, look, this is an enjoyable story um, that's just maybe got a few kind of, you know, 
bits of there. It's like, you know, I can watch a, a show or something like that where, you know, it's maybe a bit misogynistic. I mean, God, we watched James Bond. We watched, like, <laughs> slapping her on the ass, man talk. But, I mean, I'm still going to enjoy Goldfinger, even though it's, you know, got some ridiculous stuff in it, you know, rapey Bond, all that kind of stuff, which doesn't hold up. It's It doesn't take away. And, yeah, okay, maybe I'm not going to let my female friends watch Goldfinger. Um, But, like, at the same time, Luckily I also... you don't have any. <laughs> exactly. But, like, <laughs> I also think that... You know, my female friends are smart enough to know that this was a different time and this is how I don't treat women and how the majority of men in 2022 don't treat women as well and we've moved on from that. Yeah. Well, also, I mean... And that's a Ben so fact! Much movies. Did, you say, <laughs> did you say that's a Ben fact or that's a man fact? <laughs> man fact. <laughs> All the women that's listening to this, fact. go away now. Man talk. <laughs> But like we, we talk so much in the movies about, you know, those movies were so big because they were taking you to places of the world that you'd never seen before, introducing you to, you know, characters and, and ethnic groups and uh, everything that you had never seen before. Like the books even predate that. And I think that's part of the popular at the time is, I mean, he's showing you, you know, Penn Station and uh, people in England, Harlem, and maybe he's not going to get it 100 percent right. Maybe he's going to get it about 60, 70 percent right. But it's still also at the time, I mean, I could see this nowadays. I think one of the knocks against Live and Let Die is that it doesn't feel as exotic. I mean, they, they spend so much time in New York and then they're in Florida. And it's like it's not even like the most exotic part of Florida. So think- it doesn't quite feel the same. But like in the 50s, if you're not in America, I could see people being like, wow, like this, this is so, especially because he chose Harlem and. Again, he doesn't the the, the cafe scene. You know, the, yeah, there's definitely the way that he writes them, but also the way that he writes like the music and the performance and the food. You know, Ian Fleming, I think, was trying to give people a taste of something that, let's be honest, even people in America probably wouldn't have understood Harlem or even had the guts to go to Harlem unless they read this book. I, I think just on that, that like yeah, like I get what you mean in saying that it's maybe not as exotic because you know nowadays you know when do you not see new york or some sort of what florida is on tv but i think like the scope of a place like new york is that if you haven't been there and like you've seen it in so many movies and tv shows and you think to yourself okay well it's just going to be like that when i get there there is something awe inspiring about the place when you're there even though you've seen it a thousand times when you are surrounded by you know these mega skyscrapers and all these kind of things and it's just it's such a an interesting place where you've got such a hub of so many different communities and things in this one big city. So I think that kind of like, he gets a real grasp on that. And that's what I really enjoyed, particularly reading it while I was there. Like, it's just, it was, it was weird. I don't think I'm ever going to have that. I don't think I'm going to be in, you know, Jamaica when I'm reading another one of these or that sort of stuff. So I think kind of like that was a, an aspect of it, which maybe, you know, enhanced it a little bit for me that I was in that basically the pages of reading it and experiencing that at the same time, which was kind of cool. What makes this book so different to Casino Royale? And the reason I wanted to do three is because I believe these first three are so different to each other. Mm -hmm. They're all in the same series. They're all clearly James Bond, but all three are so different books. And then when we get to Diamond Star Forever, I think that's when we first start to retread some things. So that's why I thought the first three were good because they're such different books is what makes this stand out so much even between Moonraker 2 is it is this sort of sweeping story of we go from 
New York down to Florida on this train trip. And then we're in Jamaica. And you can clearly tell this guy loves Jamaica because his description mm. of Jamaica and all this stuff about the undertaker's wind, you know, like the calm before the storm in the morning. It's such great sort of descriptive writing that we didn't get in Casino. Um, so this does stand out as very much at a sort of, I almost liken it to Indiana Jones almost like when we when we were kids, I'm sure we all had the sort of thrilling stories for boys sort of books. Mm. This is what this reminds me of. It reminds me of a Sunday comic serial or something like that. It's mm, got that serial. phantom or Indiana Jones sort of adventure to it, which in some ways works, in some ways for Bond, maybe not so much. Uh, but you could tell that he was doing something completely different. We've got pirates gold. Uh, we're going down to Jamaica and we're swimming and we're training with Boral and Strangway. And black we're going to under the boat. We've got, yeah, some black magic. And we're in New York. We're down to Florida. And I love the chapters in Florida. Um, so yeah. it's such a different book to Casino Royale. But at the same time, it's clearly a part of the same series. And I think, Ben, you even commented on it. And this is a continuing thing which I love about the books, is they all sort of they're all sort of sequels to each other, even though they're not really sequels. And it's clearly a follow-up to Casino Royale while being so different. He didn't write Casino Royale Part Two. I do mm-hmm. love how every now and then they'll have like you'll be reading, you know, a book and they'll then have like a little tiny asterisk or a little number one down the bottom of the page. It says, as read in Ian Fleming's first exciting novel, Casino Royale. And it's like, oh, I better buy that then. Um, but, yeah, like, I think I agree with, yeah, a lot of what you just said there, Noel, because, like, that, that's what I loved about it. It was a sweeping adventure. Even just the stuff on the train was exciting. And, like, I loved how it was then explained about how, like, they got off the train and then there was, like, the bomb and it, like, killed the people there that were trying to come after him. And the stuff in the, like, the fish, like, the place it was, like, Clearly, license oh, to kill was inspired so by, yeah. And he's finding the coins in the bottom of the fish tank, and just like the way they were transporting that. Like, I loved all that. And like in Moonraker, like it's kind of the opposite. Like, I loved Moonraker, how it was basically one venue the whole time, and it, like that was a different way of doing it. But that's just what I loved about this. It just was so sweeping and adventurous. And I mean, yeah, I just, I just really, really enjoyed it. And I like. I mean, I've come around on Live and Let Die, the movies, in my in my last rewatch. But, like, I mean, this is the thing with reading these books. Where all of a sudden it's like, oh, God, there's so many good things about these which could be great movies still to this day that you could well, kind of Well, how use. do you guys think this compares to the movie? Because I feel like it's better between this License to Kill and For Your Eyes Only, we kind of don't have it in one story, but we kind of get almost all of the elements of this book through License to Kill, For Your Eyes Only, and live and let die so do you how do you think it adds up not just is it better or worse but how do you think they do it in the movie and was this very accurately displayed i don't yep. where can i can i act completely ignorant for your eyes only sure. like which parts for your eyes only you know? being drugged the, by the, the boat. being dragged oh boat. of course right there you go ignorant <laughs> um yeah i i sorry to chime in on you there colin um yeah i i agree i think like it's definitely elements from both but I mean, I, I, I still mainly got this as live and let die, like with just a couple of license to kill scenes in it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't. I think Moonraker is a book, and I know I'm jumping ahead. You could easily do as a movie completely separate and call it something else, um, and still just do the whole book. Uh, like this, I feel, yeah, you probably couldn't do this again because you've kind of done it in those parts you're mentioning. But I think this is much better than 
any of the, I mean, you know, Lice Killer gets what, like, uses, like, three scenes in it. Um, but, like, yeah, I think this is, I, I mean, again, I've come around on Live and Let Die, but I think this is better than the movie. I think there's one thing I live and let die, which I'll get to in a second that I think the movie did better. Uh, but uh, the song. I think I think it was uh, Noah. You were saying it more in comparison to Casino Royale, where this one does not follow it the story as closely. Um, for the second half, it definitely does. I mean, the second half of the Live and Let Die movie is completely different from the Live and Let Die book. But like one thing to for people to uh, I guess remember is that the first half of the the Live and Let Die movie is almost scene for scene from the book. I mean, you have, you know, Bond traveling there. You have uh, half of the henchmen. Teehee is in this book. Whisper is in this book. Um, Lewis. Baron Sam- there's, you know, Baron Samdi plays a part in this book. Uh, even Mr. Big and Kananga's characters, like, they, they, they basically combine them into one. I mean, you could say, oh, well, the Mr. Big thing's done away with so quickly in the movie, but the Mr. Big character in the book is far more like Kananga than he is when he's Mr. Big. Mr. Big, he's like trash-talking Harlem crime boss in the movie, but Mr. Big in the novel is very eloquent. He's very intelligent. He is more like Kananga. Um, you have like the, the cafe scene with the the you know, the, the trapdoor or whatever spinning around. Uh, the Even um, the, the solitary, you know, is he telling the truth or whatever. The one thing that I, I will say, is, <laughs> I guess Ben's argument here, uh, that I thought the movie did better with Solitaire's character. And I don't even think Solitaire's character is necessarily that brilliant in the movie, but it the, the randomness of he meets Solitaire and then a second later, she's like, hey, you're going to help me get away from him. I've just been waiting for a man like you to come around. Like, it, it just sort of happens. And we do get it like in the movie where she's back with, you know, Mr. Big uh, and then Bond has to rescue her again. But we never really get... It, we don't get enough backstory, I think, of Solitaire. We get just enough that you understand it, but maybe I'm comparing it too much to future books, particularly what we're, how much we're going to get with Honey Rider in a couple of books and Dr. No. But you get just enough of Solitaire so you understand her, but then it, the one thing Fleming kind of fails on is just like, oh, guess what? I'm going to be coming with you. You're going to save me. Okay, fine. Like that, I, the I've never that. quite been... So- but I'm not never quite sold in the book on, especially in comparison to how much better Fleming does this with female characters of how she works into working with Bond. Here is just sort of, okay, so you literally never had another opportunity in what, 20 something years to escape? This is your first opportunity ever? I wonder, this is not completely relevant to Live and Let Die, but relevant to all of them. And I'm sure we should discuss it at some point in this episode. So why not now? Uh, I'm wondering for Ben, but for Colin too, is uh, when you're reading, uh, what are you picturing? Because that's always a big thing with these books that have been adapted. So I'm wondering, firstly, the big one is Bond. Like, who do you picture? Uh, That's always a big debate. But then uh, I'm also thinking all these other side characters, so Sheaf, Mr. Big, M, I feel like almost everyone has to picture Bernard Lee when you yeah. read this M. Like, I think that's a given. Um, but Felix, because Felix is described as a uh, like a sandy-haired, long-haired Texan, which we never really got that, Felix. Um, and, you know, Mr. Big Solitaire Vespa. So, like, and uh, Gala Brand, what are you picturing there? Uh, so, uh, Hugo Drax. So, I'm wondering... It's always a big thing with these books. Like, what what do you picture in comparison to the film? Um, before I answer, I just want to quickly Charles Pan Fried Chicken is the name of the place. 
Oh, uh, Three forty West, one forty fifth Street. Uh, if you're in New York, go visit Charles. He's welcome. Yep, it's a it's a great little place there. And if you don't want to try it, Popeyes is around the corner. Great restaurant. I fell in love with Popeyes <laughs> when I was in New York. It's great. And Chick Fil A too. Chick Fil A and Popeyes. Mm, load me up. Shout out um, to Chick Fil A. <laughs> you know, I actually that was. From the moment I started reading Casino Royale, I was like, okay, who am I picturing? Which Bond? And I like, would just take it in turns. I'm like, okay, this is Sean Connery. Okay, this is Roger Moore. This is Timothy Dalton. This is Daniel Craig. This is Pierce Brosnan. It's George Lazenby. It's Barry Nelson. Um, I I, th- I don't know which one of you it was. It might have been Noah that said, like, you kind of picture this as a separate Bond. No matter how many times I try and picture one of them, I just this is a different Bond to me. Like, it's just like, honestly, and I'm not just saying this to piss Colin off, like, there are times when I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see this as Timothy Dalton. He's the only one of the actors that I like, even my beloved Pierce, I can't see him as Pierce. There are moments where I can be like, okay, I can see Timothy Dalton here, but that's it. I, other than that, to me, he's a, he's Bond number seven. Um, And with the other characters, I don't think there's any of them that I've pictured as the actual actors from the movies. To me, they're just, they're separate characters, even like drowning Drax is nothing, described nothing in the book like he is in the movies. Like, I mean, he's almost like Dr. Robotnik in, like, Sonic, the way he's described as, like, his red hair and all that kind of stuff. Um, And Gala Brand, I I actually, the one that I kind of maybe came to mind slightly, which is a weird one, is, um, oh, why have I gone blank in the name? Thunderball. Um, Not the, the, is it Volpe? Volpe. Oh, Fiona Volpe. Yeah, for some reason, like, I don't know why. I don't know why, but, like, I kind of do. And I kind of wanted to picture her as, like, Miranda Frost because I got some Miranda Frost vibes from her. But then, obviously, Mm. she's good. So, yeah, I don't think there's one that is... M, definitely Bernard Lee. That is 100% probably the one where I'm like, okay, that's Bernard Lee. But other than that, I almost just think they're all their own characters. Felix is kind of a bit of... um, um, I've gone blank on his name, too, from Dr. No. Um, A bit of him. Jack Lord. Jack Lord, um, but other than that, no, just kind of separate. So, um, although in Live and Let Die, there were bits where I was thinking of him as um, Thingo from uh, License to Kill. <laughs> but, like, I just think that was just because of the the scenes in it. But, um, no, to me, they're majority just their own beast, nothing compared to the movie. I don't picture them. The first three books I ever read for Bob, the first one I ever read was Dr. No, uh, and then Honor, Majesty's Secret Service and Casino Royale. But the weird thing is when I read Dr. No, I was picturing a different James Bond, like not any actor. It was whatever I was reading the book. But Honor, Majesty's Secret Service, Casino Royale, and pretty much everything since then, I always picture Sean Connery. And I think it's just that the, the attitude of the character is more like Sean Connery. And that's why I have a hard time. You know, I can't read. I, I would love to one of these days read Live and Let Die and try to imagine this is Roger Moore, but it's like, to me, it doesn't fit that. All the books seem to fit Sean Connery more than anybody else. Uh, Obviously, Bernard Lee, yeah, I'm completely with both of you. Like, it's impossible to not picture him as M. For a lot of the other characters, I think the more descriptive they are, like you mentioned Drax, uh, Mr. Big's another one, it's very hard to picture the actor who played them because no actor kind of fits that. And Felix, to me, that it's kind of the same way. Felix is such a more lively character and a more well-imagined character and distinct personality and look at everything that you can't associate any actor with Felix. Um, and I, 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 I would think 
you know, Jack Lord, maybe to a certain extent, as far as just like the bromance thing goes with Bond, which one thing that I love in the Live and Let Die novel is that we went from uh, James Bond and him just in Casino Royale. Yeah, oh, yeah, you'll, we'll kind of work together on this. We'll we'll discuss things. And that is the closest thing you see to Bond as friend. Although I, I, I think we discussed that recently. It might have even been in the No Time to Die commentary that uh, we did that, you know, how buddy buddy they are at the beginning of the book it's like bond smiles bond's excited to see him he's like felix old buddy like (laughs) that's the way bond is but yet when we get to felix's accident in live and let die bond definitely has a bit of feelings of hey this is for felix but he's still on the mission he's so on the mission that they basically give him orders he's like okay whatever you say and that's the one thing where i still feel like you know live and let die didn't quite get right or sorry uh license to kill didn't quite get right because I, no matter what happens to Felix, that is going to be the closest thing he has to a friend. But he's still James Bond, and he still doesn't have traditional friends the way we expect them. It's still a job to him. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have too much to add. The only thing with Bond is Fleming has done a sketch of what he thinks Bond looks like, and you can find it on Wikipedia. That's and that's kind of the Bond that I picture. It's kind of a cross between, like, Cottery, Dalton, Lazenby. Uh, so sort of Fleming's Bond is what I picture. Because um, he's got a scar, doesn't he, on his face? That's always the one yeah, that kind of throws me off. Yeah, they never brought that in. Like, that would have been cool if they brought that in maybe for No Time to Die after Skyfall or, like, Inspector or something as a nod. They transferred it to Blofeld and you only live twice. <laughs> <laughs> but the the, the, the the thing I find funny about Felix is that he continues to be a part of these books, even though he gets yeah. mauled by a shark in the <laughs> second book. But he's going to pop up another five or so times with a hook hand. So it is crazy. He loses part of his leg too, doesn't he? Character. Yeah. yeah. But he's going to continue to be, he's in Diamonds Are Forever. So uh, Spoiler. that's that's fun that in the second book that happens, but he still stays in the series. Old Stumpy McFelix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other thoughts on live and let die? Ben, I, I, I really want to get your take on solitary. Cause again, I'm not knocking it, but to, to me, when I look at, I go chronologically here. I think it's not until you get to Goldfinger where I feel like there is a bond girl in the book that I am uh, probably less impressed with than solitaire. Solitaire is okay. But to me, the first six novels, I mean, she is probably the weakest of the first six, but yet you, you think she's the best of the first three you've read. Well, actually just on, thinking the best what do you think about tiffany case again tiffany case is probably one of the strongest bond girls mm. <laughs> i'm I gonna like really to... watch my words in diamonds of forever because i'm a fan of the book the book but i won't use her name in any... i'm not going to uh, use her name in any sentences anymore <laughs> i'm looking forward to reading the next book um i just like I, there was just something about her that i liked and i kind of i think the way it was written in the relationship with bond that I feel it was done in a way where as a reader, I'm connecting with her too. And then it's kind of like the way he's falling for her and the way it's described. And then kind of, you just, I don't know. I'm taking on that Consensual. journey with Bond. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, whereas like, it's kind of like with Gala. Like it was kind of like, I started to go, oh, okay, it's going the same way. But then all of a sudden it took a turn. Like, oh, okay. No, you're not meant to feel this way with Gala. Whereas like, maybe that just goes back to Noah's point about how Casino Royale was his first book. And, you know, he's developing his writing, but like that just, that was the problem with Vesper. Just, I never liked Vesper enough. And then it was kind of like, 
Bond didn't really like Vesper a whole lot until like after the whole, you know, casino stuff. Whereas this, it was kind of like, as soon as he's on that train with her, he's like falling for her. And then, so I think. Is he, or is she a rebound? Oh, he's she's definitely a rebound. Like, I mean, but like, it's just sometimes rebounds are memorable enough that you kind of, you, you still can go along that ride for this. I mean, you can have feelings for a rebound. Just wait till you start dating people, Noah. You'll know what I'm talking about. And Colin, when Jamie <laughs> leaves like- you, you also might know what it's like. But it's, yeah, I don't know. There was just something about that that is, I connected with that. And like, again, I've read three of these books. So like, I'm not doubting that she's, you know, but like, honestly, if I had to rank my favorite Bond girl out of the first three books, it's between her and Gala right now. What I think is interesting with Solitaire to me is fitting in with what I've talked about many times that we've discussed on past books episodes uh, is that James Bond as a man, the way he treats women, how it progresses, because you don't have anything clearly stating, you know, oh, he's you know still broken up because of Vesper, not broken up isn't sad, but broken up is in I'm not going to trust anybody. And to me, I always read Live and Let Die viewing bond is that this is a purely physical thing with uh, with solitaire you know like if you're falling for because even on the train sequence i mean he's just frustrated he can't touch her more he's like oh i've only <laughs> got one working hand you know like what am i supposed to do with one working hand like to, to well, me solitaire was the beginning finger. of <laughs> it's, the, it's the little finger that was hurt that's the unfortunate thing but yeah to me solitaire is sort of the beginning of women are more objects to him but again you have the context of casino Royale that there's a reason why it's because he doesn't trust them. Yeah, I see That's that. That's a man fact. <laughs> That's a man fact. That's a man, man fact sound effect. Man fact. <laughs> Didn't even know no. what a sound effect would be for a man fact. <laughs> we wouldn't the know. Not of, men. It's a slapping of dink. <laughs> it's a, it's a man slap. Men. <laughs> no, but, but you're right. Is That's what I love about, especially reading in order, and we'll get to... To me, I love reading that we had Vespa and then to me, Solitaire is purely a physical thing. And then Gala is sort of Bond sort of getting his hopes up but realizing, oh, no, that's not a thing, which I love and we'll get to. And then Tiffany is kind of the first one that I feel like he sort of starts to let go of Vespa Mm -hmm. and we sort of let that go until we get to Tracy. Uh, So I love that progression. I do have to point out, and when I was reading this, I'm thinking, oh, Ben's going to love this. Don't you love at the end of living that Bond solitaire and quarrel? Like going off to have a threesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I love the cocking and, and everything. It's just random. The Bond and solitaire say, oh, we're gonna we're gonna go away for a week and quarrel, will you come? <laughs> Are they propositioning quarrel? Well, kind of, is, is that not kind of like what we wanted out of Doctor No with like uh, Honey Bond and Quarrel like adventures? Oh, often that's how, that's why it's not his first time in Skyfall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, me and Quarrel back in the day. <laughs> this is one way they did it so much better, though. We we could have real quarrel and not um, real quarrel and not <laughs> Quarrel Junior in because that's why Quarrel Junior shows up. Um, and also, we should point out that Strangways is in mm. this novel. Mm. So when he dies in Doctor No, it has a much it bigger impact. Mm. When in Doctor No, watching that, like Mildred doesn't know who Strangways is or Mary. So Mildred uh, gets I, a I, mention I love- in in Moonraker, which can yeah. we point out? I don't know. If <laughs> yeah, you're surprised but- you would never pointed that out before, Noah. Uh, but. Uh, you gotta love like the montage that happens in Live and Let Die, where Bond's like training with Quarrel and Strangways. Yeah. I, I love all that sort of stuff. Gonna need uh, a but montage. yeah, Quarrel in a three-way. Uh, Moonraker now. Uh, give us, 
<laughs> man fact. Can we try that? Can we try that? That's a man fact. That's a good slap. Man fact. <laughs> no, you cannot do a slap. I, I'm not funny. Well, well I mean, cannot. I don't know what I heard there, but I mean, you don't give me actual please, consent. No, so. no, no. Please, please, no. Uh, moving That's on to Moonraker. Mm-hmm. Moonraker is like <laughs> the unadapted novel, really. And I don't know how much you knew going in. Like, I think Noah and I had definitely talked about like Die Another Day, use a lot of elements of Moon. Originally, the idea was that they were going to adapt very closely to the Moonraker novel. I still think there are elements of Die Another Day where they probably adapted closer than a lot of the Man with the Golden Gun movie ended up to being compared to the book or you only live twice end up being compared to the book. So I would almost still say die another day is at least as close of an adaptation as uh, we get with a lot of these other Fleming books. But uh, I don't know how much you knew going in it, this, I guess would probably have been the one complete surprise for you because not having any connection to the movie at all. This is like its own original story. Y- yes and no. I <laughs> get, get you to talk about die another day. And I said, yes or no. <laughs> Let's play it. Uh, <laughs> that's man fact. <laughs> oh, I love that sound effect. Um, <laughs> you would <laughs> not for any other reason, but the fact that it's just funny. It's like when Colin says gluten um, <laughs> or Kincaid. Um, <laughs> You've set him off now. What? What, what was? <laughs> doo-doo. What was the question? Um, I you had mentioned before that Moonraker basically takes place in a building. I remember when we did either the Moonraker recap or the commentary that you had mentioned that before. So I think I went into it expecting that. I mean, one thing going sort of on the question about picturing things, I did not picture like the mansion thing that we had in the Moonraker movie. I'm picturing a completely different compound and that throughout this book. So um, yeah, I kind of went into this knowing that it was nothing like the movie, but I went out of it wishing that this was the movie because I actually really, really enjoyed Moonraker. The fact that it was just set in one building basically the whole time with a couple of little excursions. I thought it was interesting. I thought Drax was easily the best written villain. Um, and I loved the twist. I loved the turn. Like, the whole time I'm reading this, going like, okay, obviously he's evil. But, like, just the way it was done like everybody fucking loved Drax he was like a celebrity it was like oh my god Drax yay <laughs> like give this man a parade and all that kind of stuff and I love the because I think shades of Gustav Graves I think was it you Noah that um had shared before the whole like section where it was like they each have a different moustache so I can tell the difference between them it's like well, why not just give them a name badge because I chose moustaches yeah that's the best <laughs> twist ever because <laughs> I love that like whole moment but um and like I remember you both saying that there were die another day elements to this book but there was just something the way it was done like it was it was the first one of the three that really kind of like it was like oh plot twist and like oh like oh okay I like how this is going and how this is turning out and it was the first real like world domination one so it was kind of like hey we're gonna blow up London a bit of golden eye towards the end there I think kind of like with the stocks and how they were kind of like funneling the money and all that kind of stuff so yeah there was just something about it I loved the dynamic between Bond and Drax I thought Bond was well much better written in this book like you got to know him a lot more in this book I loved as I said before kind of the way it 
balance between like almost the perspective of Gala versus the perspective of Bond. I honestly thought Gala was going to turn evil in the end. I thought there was some element of Gala that was evil, hence the Miranda Frost connection. Um, and I kind of liked Bond and M hanging out at the club, playing cards. Like, come on in, Bond. I, I want you to help me out. I've got a, I've got a bit of an issue. Yeah. <laughs> So, hey, I just got that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, cool. Bit slow um, on the uptake. But, um, yeah, like, it was just, and because, like, yeah, I literally, like, as I said before, I don't really like, I can't really just sit down and read a book. Like, I, I've got to break it up. And I'll maybe set myself a goal. Like, okay, I'll read five chapters now or I'll read three chapters. Like, this goes back to, to date this episode, Colin and I recorded our About a Boy recap over on the Oz Network download now. And we talked about how in that movie, Hugh Grant's character separates his day into units. And this is kind of like where Colin, you and I are having that conversation. It's like, I do that. So it's like, okay, I've got an hour. I can read this many chapters and whatever. But like with this one, particularly towards the end, because the action just comes out of nowhere. Like you're spending so much of this book, like, okay, we're playing cards. Okay. He's hanging out. Oh, there was a murder. Like what's going on? Then it's like all of a sudden, you know, basically like boom action. Like there's a car chase. It's like, Oh, okay. Like, wow. I, this just came out of nowhere. And oh, boom. Like he's in his room and he's going to attack him. What was he? Craig or whatever his name was. Um, so, and it just, and like, so it got to the point where I was like in the last like 50 pages and I was like, Oh, I just want to keep reading this. So I was just kind of like, I put it down. I'm like, no, nah, I can read more. And then, like, I kind of got to a point the other night where I was like, I can't remember what it was. I was watching. I'm like, okay, I'll have to read it tomorrow. And so I wake up. As soon as I woke up, and I'm like, oh, I want to read the rest of Bond. So I just picked it up right next to me and just re- and that's when I messaged you. Go, oh, I just finished reading Moonraker. Um, so like, Ben's a real reader now. <laughs> <laughs> it just hooked me in, and it was just interesting. And I, I liked the twist with Gala. Like, I was expecting her to say evil. I'm like, oh, she's got a boyfriend or she's married. Oh, that's a shame. Poor Bond. Off, off he pops. All right, on to the next one. So, yeah, and, like, also I liked the circumstances. Like, I liked how it was written where Bond literally says, like, you know, none of this could have happened if that one person at Blade was slightly suspicious and went to M. Like, I kind of like that domino effect of how things fell into play. So, yeah, it was it was enjoyable. I really, really liked it. Um, it was just – it was different to the first two. But, yeah, I, I – way better than the movie. Like, Jesus Christ, I wish this was the movie. Yeah, For- we were we- – Oh, you can. I was just saying with the Moonraker book, uh, I can't remember if we ever talked about it on air, but we definitely talked about it off air. Uh, when I originally read this book, I always sort of remembered it was like three, four chapters at Blades, and that was sort of the intro, and then you got into the story. But like, it is, I think, seven chapters. And mm. you would think rereading that, you're like, come on, just be done with the card. But like, seven chapters all taking place in one night. Ian Floyd found a way to make that fresh and make, make it exciting because a lot of it is just Bond just having fun at Drax's, oh, I'm going to pretend like I'm drunk and I'm bad at cards. Like he's coming up with new ways to kind of mess with he's Drax. Drug, wasn't I, he? What did he inject himself with? He was like taking, <laughs> like he was injecting himself with shit. Oh, was, was he? he I don't remember that. No, it was powder. It was a powder that he was got sent from his secretary, who's not Money Penny, the other one. Yeah, he's got new secretaries all the time. <laughs> but uh, but that, I think to me, what's interesting about Moonraker is that you take those first seven chapters and it's all one night. That kind of does set this book up as being different from uh, the first two, because because Casino Royale and Live and Let Die, it is a couple chapters. It's a lot. It's very cliffhanger based, you know. Oh, something's happening, cliffhanger, and the action sequence, and then we're gonna start over. And every every once in a while, it's almost like modern action movies. Every twenty minutes or so, you got to have something action happen. Whereas Moonraker, he he almost saves it all for a certain point in the book, but then it's just nonstop action all the way to the end. 
And this was sort of the beginning of Fleming, I guess, messing with his his formula a little bit, even though I think the book, it, it's it's still a lot more similar to Casino Royale and Live and Let Die than what we're going to get coming up in the next couple. It's the first bit of experimentation that we actually get with Fleming where he's like, I can tell my stories in a different way. Yeah, that's the thing with Moonraker is, I guess because people think it's a series of 13 books that they're all going to be the same. Fleming breaks uh, the sort of formula all the time. Like, so this one is like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right? Friday. Mm, yeah, yeah. So it's broken up by days, but he'll do other, like from Russia with Love, the entire first half is from the Russians' perspective and Bond isn't even in it. Uh, Spy Love Me, well, that's a whole other <laughs> kettle of fish. Um, so he does break up formula quite a lot. And as I said before, like this is why I wanted to do the first three, because these three books are so different to one another. And you can just tell by the third book, he's got his writing down pat so much more than the first two time. Uh, and I would say, even though we only, we're not going to the exotic locations or anything, I would say out of all 13 books, this is one that's probably one of the closest to a typical James Bond film. It's got the world domination, the overtop villain, uh, the action. So, yeah, we're, we're not going off to these. Lo- I think we go to bloody Dover, don't we? Uh, yes, yeah, so just always on the cliffs of Dover and London. That's it. Yeah, so there's no exotic locations, but this is one of the ones out of all of them that feel the closest to like a typical James Bond film, I think, especially the second half. Um but I, I just love the sort of things that we could never get in a film. Like it's this one, right, where he's practicing. He's doing his like armed training at the beginning. At the beginning, he's got and like he, the shooting yeah, he's got, range thing. Yeah, so we we see Bond in London, and he's off to the shooting range doing his training. Then he then he's talking to uh, doesn't he have dinner with M before they start the card yeah. games? Mm-hmm. And it, I just love reading all this sort of slice of life elements of these of james bond that we could never really get in the film um and how it does work its way up from being very just eh, and then it blades and and all the little characters that he floods like who's the like he's the the waiter at blades or the housekeeper who he keeps having a chat with is a fun little character and just all these characters that he sprinkles his world with um I when I I've always liked this one, but when I read it the second time recently, I I love the more I think about this book, the more I love it. I think mm-hmm. it's great. It was we the both one that ranked we like, it quite high, didn't we? It was like in our top uh, five. I both think. you both had it halfway six. I've got the rankings right in front of me. Oh, oh wow! wow. I, yeah, I would I would move it up. I'm looking forward to the fact that Diamonds Are Forever is second last on both your list, and I'm reading that next. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like, and mm-hmm. I mean, I know I read Casino Royale probably in like two days, but like, honestly, like, I think a lot of that was just. I'll shut up, you guys. I want to read this. And I, I enjoy Casino Royale. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. Whereas this was like, yeah, it got to that point where I'm just like, okay, I need to keep reading this. But um, yeah, like I liked um the, like, I think Colin, you mentioned to me about like, he gets like this, he gets completely battered and bruised at the end of it. Like, yeah. I mean, God, he's, you know, when the cliffs like fall on them and all that kind of stuff. But um, also like, there's almost a level of helplessness there. You think they're going to like Bond's basically about to commit suicide to like sacrifice himself for London. I uh, also like sort of, you were talking before about the whole thing with Felix and that, like I like the sections here where they're talking about like 008 being in another mission. Like, oh, is he okay? Like, you know, like better, better chicken, but like they, the way they kind of like 
talk about like bond where you learn more about in this whole level of like oh he's got to do this for his country and all this kind of stuff and even you find out his salary like how much he makes and like this is enough that he's only got this and he can do that and his car and all that kind of stuff and um yeah and then like what was it like how you know he's doing this mission in london or whatever it is and like oh i do stuff overseas like i don't you know do this but i'll help out like the you know scotland yard and all that kind of stuff so um the inspector yeah. right he becomes a recurring character throughout this series like what's I, he I, ronald ronnie ronnie something like that yeah sure ronald yeah, ronnie adam <laughs> alan um but the yeah i i kind of i liked all that element to it and yeah just i just really like drax like i just just, and like the whole German twist, like it's kind of obvious. It's right there in front of you. They've got 50 Germans working with all of a sudden. It's just all like, oh, these are the Germans who like, you know, hate everyone. But I, I love that whole twist about how they like think that Drax was, you know, just a random English guy so who didn't have a past. And then he was just like, oh, yeah, I'm English. Like I always have to question. Like, he's like, I'm English. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Rubertania. Fleming's getting real creative now with the back, but the whole that he was a soldier who got wounded and so he pretended to be English and then he acted English and built up these stocks in England. And yeah, like that's such a creative. And we got backstory for Lashif. We did for Mr. Big, but I think this is the first time and one of the best times that we get a real sort of big creative backstory. And I have to imagine Gustav Graves is slightly inspired yeah. by the backstory of Drax. But yeah, Drax is such a great villain in this book. One of the best of the book series. Yeah, I mean, Drax, I'd say all the characters. The interesting thing about this compared to even Casino Royale, I mean, Casino Royale has a lot of minor supporting characters. I mean, um, we barely even mentioned Mathis. I mean, Mathis plays a big part in the Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. He's probably a bigger part of that than even Felix is. Uh, Live and Let Die has a ton of characters. I mean, the, the henchmen, uh, what, what, I'm, I'm thinking about the the guy that uh, Bond has the shootout with in Florida. He's not even in the movie. Oh, uh, yeah. And then we have obviously Teehee and, and Whisper as well. But uh, this movie almost like scaled back the amount of characters. I mean, you really have three leads that Ian Fleming put all of the effort into. And I actually wonder if that's one of the reasons why these three characters work so well in Moonraker compared to even Casino and Live and Let Die. Because Galabrand is, it's not like, for a long for the longest time, I always thought the greatest thing about her was just that twist at the end, where it's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to sleep with you. I'm not interested, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I've got my own thing going on. Uh, but there's so much more to her character. Like she is so involved in this story compared to past Bond girls in the novels. And Drax is probably the most fleshed out villain that we're they're going to have. I'm I'm trying to think the next time we're going to have a villain this good in the books. Um, I, Doctor No, maybe, but uh, but yeah, like he he definitely stands as one of the best uh, villains in the entire book series, and it's the one time where I really wish that we had gotten more of this in the movie. Like you're gonna ditch so much of Moonraker, you kept the Hugo Drax character, you kept a few elements, but you made him a totally different guy. And and I don't even mind Hugo Drax in the the movie. I think he's arguably better than what we got with Stromberg, uh, you know, maybe even slightly better than Christados uh, to some extent. So for that era of the Moore movies, but like imagine what you could have done if you actually <laughs> kept the character from the the, the book. That era of the Moore movies, you'd probably call well, that the Moore era. More, more era. <laughs> yeah, we were, we, we have been robbed of a Moonraker movie and I, I don't know why they didn't use Gala Brand for, at least the name Holy for yeah 
But okay, yeah, they wanted to do Holly Goodhead, but then for License to Kill or Living Daylights or Goldeneye, why don't they just use the name? I'm I, I I'm an unashamed sucker for using everything left of the Fleming. Like I don't care if it's just the or name. The racism. Or... <laughs> well, they used they used that in the sixties already. Um, but yeah, she is such a great character that we have been a bit robbed, and the twist at the end is just such a good unexpected thing because James Bond always gets the girl and it's done way better than it's done in Quantum of Solace, the movie, I think, uh, the one other time that Bond doesn't get the girl. Uh, and it's just that such that tragic storyline where the films never really did it into a Craig, but here we get these sort of subtle shades of continuing story that it's not blatant in your face, but it's definitely a progression to the point where you do sh- need to read these books in order, I think. And it's such a great ending. That's another unused Bond girl, subtle shades of continuing story. That's a great Bond girl name. <laughs> That's a I'm fact. subtle, subtle shades of continuing story. No, 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 no. That's a man fact. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> um, oh, no one loves it. There's so many things I love about Moonraker. The setting is one of them because it, it, sure, the location is not the most exciting. You're not getting this different culture, but the fact that you're setting it like it's very much like Die Another Day, uh, and I like that section of the Die Another Day movie too. The idea that there's what you did, what hang, what did you just say? I like Die Another Day. I like Die Another Day too. (laughs) That wasn't edited together at all, but I also like Die Another Day. So okay. But uh, making it an event, you know, like this, this isn't just, oh, some top secret uh, you know, missile test or whatever. It's like, no, we're going to we're going to bring the media and everybody's going to be there. And it's a party like that. That makes this different. But to me, it's it's what you mentioned, Ben, like the suffering of James Bond that I always remember best about this novel. Uh, and there's three novels that I could think of where Bond basically should have been dead by the end of it. And that that's what I was always more drawn to with the novels and the movies is that we get to see outside of Casino Royale. I mean, we really get to see James Bond, the, the verge of death in the novels, but never in the movies. Uh, Moonraker is definitely up there. I mean, he, he basically, no time to die. Up, you know, uh, well, <laughs> fair point. <laughs> wow. <laughs> if only the movies. No, he's going to wash up on a beach somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. When it just helped wash off a beach, we'll know we're wrong. But uh, I mean, outside of Moonraker, Dr. No and uh, You'll Only Live Twice are the the ones that I also have those fond memories of just seeing James Bond suffer. And it's not like I want to see him suffer, but like it's something you don't get in the movies. It's that he's not an indestructible hero. If, if anything, you view him as indestructible only because how could any human being survive this? But Bond is in pain. Like that's that's what Ian Fleming really brings to the novels that you can't translate to the movie because you can only have a character go, oh, oh, ah, that much. But when you can hear him internalizing how much pain he's in and how much he just wants to die, you know, that is what makes the novel something of their own and not just an extension of the movie or extra material you wouldn't get in the movies. Well, the reason that is the case with the exception of No Time to Die is because James Bond in the movies is a man. He just gets up and he brushes <laughs> it off and that's a man fact. <laughs> I just, I do think one one thing that's so good about Fleming's progression of his writing, but also reading these in order, is you do get a little bit more of Bond each to each book. You get just a little bit more of his character towards the end, to the point where it's tragic. 
uh, which you don't get in the films. Like you go from Diamonds Are Forever into Live and Let Die into Man with the Golden Gun, and it's fine. We love those movies, but that's one thing I do love is each film you just get a little bit more. And even I'd argue that Daniel Craig's not that much, like because they're so awkward with the time skips and whatnot. Um, but one thing I do love, like these books aren't completely free of the absurdities that are in the movies as well. Because I do love what's what's their plan is they're going to blow up London, but they're all waiting in Dover or wherever with a big submarine. That <laughs> yeah, the Russians come jump, along. <laughs> they're yeah, all that... going to jump on, get in a sub, and then London's going to blow up, and they're but just going to sail away in their I love, sub. That was the, the they're not the free funny, of silliness. These books. the funny bit about that was is that I love how like when they're they're doing the description of that how you got a guy from the BBC who's like oh goody gosh here it is coming. And then it lands in the water, kills a poor guy from the BBC, and they let off a nuclear bomb in the freaking um, the English Channel, kills Drax. But then I love how they're trying to go like, oh, this will be a cover up. We'll talk to the Prime Minister. That mushroom cloud could have been anything. <laughs> it's like, okay. It's a, it's a lovely day out here in Dover today, John. <laughs> the nuclear bomb goes off live on the BBC, and they're just, oh, bloody hell, that was a bit of a kerfuffle, wasn't it? Oh, no, on to the crickets. <laughs> but I just love that it, it's retargeted to hit exactly where the submarine is that has Drax and all the other <laughs> Chinese guys on there or whatever. Uh, the Russians, it, it's quite absurd, but that's James Bond. It is absurd at times. One more thing I just wanted to get your opinion on, um, not specifically just on Moonraker, is Smirsh. Like when we did the No Time to Die commentary, we were talking about like, oh, but or not? Was it? I don't know. It was. It was Patreon. You're going to hear our thoughts on this on Patreon. If you're willing to pay us oh, money. You just yeah. give away our paid uh, <laughs> content to these freeloaders. Oh. But we were talking about like potential spinoffs and stuff like that, and and we had briefly talked about Smirsh, which you have some knowledge on Smirsh now, and. I didn't even um, think about this when you said originally we were talking about Lashif as being an underdeveloped character, but maybe one of the reasons why Lashif was underdeveloped is because these books had something that a lot of other novels didn't at the time, which is that Ian Fleming wanted to have a, a storyline told out over multiple novels, even if it was just like to, to a small extent. And Smirsh's sort of even pre-Spectre just getting development. We're, we're, I guess I, the most we're going to get out of Smirsh is going to be coming up in maybe one or two more books, but uh Smirsh is an organization you only have familiarity because of Living Daylights, and that's even still like it's a bit of a stretch based on the novels. What are your thoughts on Smirsh compared to Spectre? Well, it was what there was only Casino Royale, wasn't it? It wasn't in the other two. Um, Never yeah, Let from- Die, Mr. Big worked for Smirsh, which I always thought was a bit of a stretch. I just bit of like, a stretch, yeah. <laughs> the thing that throws me off with Smirsh is it just doesn't like it just sounds like something you do when you squash something. Like it's just like it just Spectre sounds evil, like you know, whereas this it's just like oh Smirsh, I smirsh my shoe in some poo. Like but That's like when they're coming up with a name, they're like, What are we gonna call ourselves? Death to spies. Okay, so what's the acronym? Smirsh. What do we say it stood for? Smelly men eat rhubarb. Seriously. <laughs> <Yeah>. Hello. <laughs> Um, download that episode now. Um, yeah, from like, again, it's been a couple of months since I read that, but like from what I remember, I liked that cause it was sort of, um, you know, it, was, it did feel like that was setting up something. It felt like it was setting up this much bigger things out there. And I still think Lashif was not well developed and kind of like, I just, I never got a real aspect of what the hell Lashif was wanting. And they just, it was kind of like, so he's evil because he, has a couple of brothels like that was like literally like oh he has brothels in france we better go play cards with him because he wants to repay his debts <laughs> i'm like 
And there's Somewhat. nothing wrong with brothels, and that's a man fact. <laughs> particularly no, in France, we're, we're brothel positive on Double R Seven. Uh, like particularly in France, that's uh, I am. That's like their number three industry in France behind cheese and um, bread. Um, so I don't get why they're like so anti Lachif and brothels. But yeah, like I like the setup, and I feel like you know there's got to be more. I guess it's kind of like Doctor No. You know, I'm a member of Spectre, 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 Spectre. And then kind of like it, what, you get him from Rush With Love, goes away in Goldfinger, comes back a little bit, and then just kind of the higgledy-piggledy here and there. So, yeah, I mean, I look forward to learning more about it, but I don't know if I'm like, you know, I feel I enjoyed the two books that didn't have Smirch in it more than I did with the one with Smirch in it, but it felt like they were still setting up for something in Casino Royale. What are your thoughts on Bond as a character? I feel like we didn't really talk to... Like you've read now, read three books, and you've got this little progression a bit more of Bond. Are you liking this Bond? Uh, are you seeing shades of the movie Bond? And like, what what are your thoughts on Bond? Because he, he's not the narrator of the book, but we definitely see things through his mind and we get his opinions on a lot of things. I think I would say that I I- even though, as I said before, like I don't really picture any of the movie Bonds, if I had to say, like, just in terms of the development of the character and filling him out, whether I like him or not. I think he is probably closest to Daniel Craig in the fact that there are definitely times when he doesn't feel overly likable. Like, I mean, he's just, he's a man doing his job. I'm just a man, you know, doing my job. So am I, bang. Uh, Like, he just, he's just, he goes out there, he does the mission and he comes back, goes, cool. And he doesn't like, you know, expect anything out of it. You know what I mean? Whereas I think the majority of the movie Bonds are all like, you know, they're a bit, flirty and they're a bit you know like cheeky and you know things like that so that's where i think i get that from daniel craig because i've always said he's got real no personality and he kind of doesn't look like he's having fun with it but yeah i i, I mean i don't dislike him i think it's kind of you feel for him because like he's doing a very hard job he's good at his job and he keeps going along with it with no aspect of reward um but i think yeah he's i'm liking him more and more as I feel I get to know him more and you know I feel like I can go cook all the food that he likes although in Moonraker when he like what well, he ordered like I loved how he ordered this food and he's like and I'll have a slice of pineapple it's like okay hold, all right hold the yogurt <laughs> give me a slice <laughs> of pineapple mm. I like next pineapple book definitely next book is going to be a lot of eating and a lot of drinking from Bond well, I liked him getting uh, pissed in, in the beginning of Moonrake when he's like drinking like three bottles of champagne or whatever it was. And he was like, just, you know, slurping them back. And he, I think it was Moonrake the first time we really got the vodka martinis. Because I know he ordered a couple of dry vodka martinis in this, but. I can tell you. Oh, you've got uh, the kiss, kiss, no, bang, bang. No. No. All right. <laughs> no. Thanks. No. Okay. No. I, big dra- I can tell you. It's a no. <laughs> a doctor no. no. Coming soon in your breeding bin. Yeah, uh, um, as far as my thoughts, uh, I mean, Noah and I already kind of summed this up and we're going to, uh, I guess, get into more details next episode that we Roger do on Moore. the books. Uh, but uh, it is that importance of Vesper, you know, uh, him letting his guard down, licking her fingers or her licking his fingers and then betrayal and his anger and solitaire being just kind of a physical pursuit for him. Uh, Gala, he's like, ooh, I might be interested again. Oh, sorry, I'm taken. Uh, and then what we're going to get in the next novel, which is one of the two saving graces of otherwise one of the weakest novels in the series. There's one great action sequence and there's one great character, which 
Well, from now on, who's the great character in that book? We'll call them TC. Um, Shall we? Shall we hear that clip again? (laughs) Tiffany Case is probably one of the strongest Bond girls. Yeah, Yeah. she is a great character. But to me, that's that's the thing that you get progression of Bond. And, and what I love with Ian Fleming is that he's never going to come right out and say, this is what my books are about. But he clearly made his books about that. I mean, that was James Bond's arc. And wow, by the time we get to You Only Live Twice, how perfectly that arc is played out. I mean, that's good. That's the best thing about the series altogether for me is J- the subtle progression of James Bond's character that we get as far as like the way that he relates to other characters and women. And also just adding to that, the fact that we see him kind of go from being Mr. Cold Assassin, I'm just doing a job to even the way he relates to Felix and then the way he relates to Quarrel, um, the way that he kind of in, in his James Bond way makes friends, but still it's, there's just still an you know, extension of my job. They're not in the full fledged friends. They're still part of my job friends. They're acquaintances. Ben and Colin to me. Exactly. <laughs> like Rocky to me. Just oh, part of the job. Only only there for us when there's a pandemic or lockdowns or so <laughs> I'm only I'm only friends with Colin to get to Jamie. <laughs> Which is why he left our country. And that's and a I'm, only fact. I'm only friends with Colin to get to those breakfasts. <laughs> I'm only friends with Noah to I actually don't know why I'm friends with Noah, but um And I'm not friends with him. I don't have uh, friends. I want to get Noah's counts, at least for these three books here. Before we do that, oh, Ben, oh, oh, oh. You're, you're ranking the books Are in order. Are we playing any intros here or are we just winging it? Yeah, are we, we haven't it? heard the intros in so long. Do, do you want the okay, 50s or do you want the new one? Which one do you want? Oh, 50s, 50s. 50s? All right, so yeah. this is for so rankings. Got the one, one for the ranking, two for the show. <laughs> Put it all up. Go, go, go. It's ranking. We got to rank, rank us, baby. Hey, go, bud. You got to rank all night, but you got all the rank. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Well, we had never say never again. <laughs> now we're on to Casino Royale. It's a 54. Oh, Casino Elvis, everyone. Uh, <laughs> I think that was the Elvis one. Um, so what am I ranking these? So the three Ranking them, um, the first three novels. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know how you feel, Colin, but if we're going to go through all these books, I want to do it again because my opinion yeah. has changed. I've well, got my yeah. rankings too. Do I have to update these on our list? Because I, I don't know, like... Well, well, once we finish all the books, we'll do an updated. When we finish all novels, then we'll do a ranking. Start a new Excel document here. Do we need? Are you guys going to keep? Okay, well, I won't write anything out. But are you going to remember your rankings, or do I need to write these down? It's three books. Write them down. (laughs) Well, I've got my rankings. I'm not going to write yours as well. We're going to get to like six books in and go. What did I have at number three? Like, well, I asked you. You want me to write this down? Yeah, write it down. So you want me to? For fuck's sake, you make me do all the work on this show. Um, I'm not writing it. You're actually the most soberest you've ever been on this show for quite some time now. Good job. You should um, it's COVID it's more not, often. It's not showing. It's, <laughs> <laughs> all right, hang on. I've opened up a new Excel document. All right, what's uh, B, N, C? Okay, all right, cool. All right, so who's going? are we going from three to, to one? Sure. All right, yeah. who's going first? Um, I'll go first. Colin. Okay. I'm, okay, so are we doing all three and then two and then all one, or are we just going? Yeah, I'll just we'll do three, do all, two, one, okay? Do all three. No, do all three. Make it All tense. right. Okay, so I am going to put number three 
Live and Let Die. And it's funny because when I reread Live and Let Die, I'm like, wow, you know, I like this book so much more than I originally thought. And I, I my rank, original ranking, that's probably what, around like sixth, seventh place? Your original ranking is seventh place. There we go. So I am putting this at number three out of the three that we've read or reread so far or discussed so far. Uh, I'm putting number two as Moonraker, which will probably make a jump on my overall list by the time we finish with this. Because uh, th- that book, it gets better each time you read it. And then I'm still holding as my number one is Casino Royale. So just quickly, you had Moonraker at six, uh, Live and Let Die at seven, and Casino Royale at one on your OG list. So you've only got 12 on here. So what's you didn't rank? Uh, the short stories. Only? Okay. So we're not ranking that? When yeah. We get well, it? that's only, We could rank we could all rank the, the short, short stories story. for one. Ooh, that sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know how to have fun on this show. Um, <laughs> well, the man fact. <laughs> if we're ranking the short stories, I'm definitely getting drunk for that one. Um, <laughs> and that's a Noah fact. <laughs> um, my number three, Live and Let Die. Um, uh, there's so much I love. And when Ben talked about like with the adventure and like the the florida the stuff with the shark and the undertaker's wind i love all the stuff i just can't get over the the jar jar bink speak um so it's not going to be my bottom but definitely of these three it's definitely the worst um number three number two this is going to be a change i'm going to say uh casino royale and i love that book and it's still going to be high but i'm going to put Number one, Moonraker. I I loved Ooh. it so much on my reread, and I loved it when we talked about it. And it makes me want to reread it again now. Like it's such a great fun adventure. Um, so I don't know if it's going to be my all time number one, but it's my new number one now. You have that's. I mean, to your original list, you had Live and Let Die seven. This is because you all had the rankings the same. You had Live and Let Die seven, Moonraker six, Casino Royale two. So you've shot yeah, Moonraker. We really ranked Moonraker so low. What what's wrong with us? Yeah. Well, just like my opinions in the movies, you guys laugh at. I feel we're gonna get the same in these because I have <laughs> Casino <laughs> Royal at three. Um, just, I mean, I didn't dislike it. I just like the other two better. It's that simple. Um, I have Moonraker at two and Live and Let Die at number one. I really enjoyed Live and Let Die. Uh, maybe I'm just a racist prick. Maybe. I don't know. But I really enjoyed Live and Let Die. I really enjoyed Moonraker. But there was just something about Live and Let Die that I really, really enjoyed. And again, I enjoyed Casino Royale. I just like the other two better. So, wow, we've all got different number ones. I'm scared to see where you're going to have diamonds on forever. Number one. What do you guys have last? Like the man with the golden gun. Okay, number one. Yeah. <laughs> now this I, will just uh, be our reverse list. Before we had uh, the Peter Travers, I've actually found the rankings from Reader's Digest Canada. Oh, <laughs> so, so do, do you want to hear Ooh, where eh? Reader's Digest Canada? Um, I, I'm going to guess Spy Who Loved Me is number one because Wait, do we do we need to play an intro? Do we need to play the Peter Travers intro here? <laughs> oh, Peter Travers, yes. here we go. Let's do it. Oh, Peter this in a while. Box office. And Peter Travers, he is a stupid idiot. But don't read his stuff. Oh, Peter. We'll pretend it's Peter Travers. <laughs> yeah, um, I'd, pl- I'd play that's a man fact for him, but he's not a man. 
<laughs> um, we really need to get Peter Travers on the show at some point. Um, <laughs> so they had uh, actually they had Live and Let Die Reader's Digest Canada number six. Uh, so racist Canadian. Uh, they say there's a sequence in Live and Let Die that's forever seared in the mind. Bond searching for Felix returns to his hotel and he's finds his body lying in bed in bed wrapped in blood-soaked bandages with the handwritten note he disagreed with something that ate him, which is great scene. On the opposite end of the spectrum, we have Shivan that dies racist overtones. Fleming's attempts at conveying Harlem dialect on page are cringeworthy and a blight on an otherwise superb story. Uh, and then Reader's Digest Canada actually has uh, number... Sorry, number two. He's definitely drunk. Casino, <laughs> number two is Casino <laughs> uh, And then number one, they're saying Moonraker. So they're saying number one wow. and two, Moonraker, Casino Royale, number six. So high praise for the first uh, first three books. What's their last? What's their worst? Their worst is... I'm going to predict Man with a Gone Gun, yeah. But their worst is... The Spy Love Me. Oh, unfair. <laughs> that's going to yeah. be Ben's favorite book. I know it. Is that Teenage yeah, Girl? One? Love that one. Yeah, yep. that's the Teenage Girl one. <laughs> Sign me up. All right. So then one last thing. We got to get a count because Noah actually did a count and there's nobody here to argue with him for once. Oh, uh, so, so what do we get? 50s kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Mr. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang, bang. How many of them were by canoe? That's my only question. I didn't do any count, so I don't know. It's been so long since we've heard these intros. How fun. Um, yeah, no time to die. Yeah, recap actually, that we did about six months ago. Sure, there's some ages. <laughs> I, I'm such a nerd that I actually probably the only person in the world that's ever done the Bond, James Bond, Kills, Lays, Martinis for the Bond books, uh, thanks to PDF free online books that made it easy to do this at work. <laughs> Um, if you're listening Shout out to Joel, Noah's uh, employment, uh, by the way. He's a hard worker and I recommend him highly for another 12-month contract. <laughs> well, I'm good at keeping organised uh, documents here. Um, he did download it in English. It, it was work-related. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he made true. the children read it. <laughs> yeah, we did a dialogue from Living Let Top. <laughs> <laughs> this is how black people speak in the West. How do you put it? Whoa, whoa, Colin! (laughs) (laughs) Colin! You said the C word last time we were all together. We're not getting you to say that one, all right? Stop it. No, even I won't say that on air. Come on. What are you, Reader's Digest Canada? (laughs) Colin! Uh, For reference, I'm in English. Um, Oh, I'm uh, I'm English. Consider our Bond, James Bond, one. This was interesting. No, I had three. (laughs) You just finished saying you didn't count. It's called a joke, Uh, Colin. Oh, for a second, I'm like, please, let's not do this again. Go say your (laughs) N-word. Oh, my dad's a fighting again. Um, (laughs) For kills, we debated this after the book, but there are no kills in the first book, which is quite interesting. Uh, Blaze, there's just one. And Ben said, oh, 
no martinis until Moonraker. There's one martini in that's how I sound. Casino Realm. Um, no martinis. Live in that. <laughs> live that the intro. Make that part of the intro now. Kiss, kiss. No more martinis. <laughs> Hello, I'm Ben. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fun fact. <laughs> I like die another day. <laughs> Don't be uh, you... I'm Ben. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Is this the Thunderbirds? I'm Ben. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I really am. Hello, everyone. I'm Ben. <laughs> Welcome to Double or Seven. <laughs> You sound like the BBC reporter in Moonraker. <laughs> My daughter is so good. Um, <laughs> that's that a bad fact. Are you going to let me do this or not? <laughs> yes. No, you're he's, doing, he's finally doing work and contributing. <laughs> We're interrupting yeah, him. I, I love how I'm he's so, so calm when he's drunk. He's like, don't make fun of my alcohol. Now he's just like, will you please let me do this? Because <laughs> yeah, I've got COVID and I'm suffering. <laughs> <laughs> People listening to 007, they're also suffering. Um, live and let die. No Bond, James Bond. Uh, Lays is one, rebound, or two if you count Coral in the three-way. <laughs> uh, ben, there's no martini at the Moonraker. Five martinis in Live and Let Die. No, it's not the M.O.A.C. bar. There's no martini. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a recurring, how can we say there's no martinis in Moonraker in different accents <laughs> in different films? Each, each episode, we'll think of a new one. Uh, but but Ben is saying don't oh, worry, uh, <laughs> Five in Live and Let Die. So clearly you weren't paying that close of attention. Uh, and kills. I've got four, but this is this is kind of an octopusy situation because he blows up a boat full of people, but we don't really. We, there's no way of us we don't ever see knowing. Them? Noah, we don't see them. We hear about bobbing heads, but for all we know, they could still be alive. Plural. Uh, so really, it's probably about 34, but I've got four because there's just no way of us ever knowing. It's like octopusy. Um, maybe if Ben had counted two, he may have estimated, but um, <laughs> yeah. And then on to Moonraker. Ah, not a not a good run for him this this week. Bond James Bond zero. Uh, but there is a moment in there where M, M says, says Bond it. James Bond. I actually remember and that one. Gala yep. actually also when she's thinking she says bond james bond to uh no kills in moonraker it's cr- crazy to think right? well oh well i guess bond doesn't kill the guy in the alfa romeo drax kills him that was the one that i thought oh is that and then that's no but that's a great scene though uh no lays gala's not putting out she's got a boyfriend <laughs> um and martinis there is martinis in moonraker, <laughs> now i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> Uh, four, four months. So I don't know if you've been counting the total so far. Ten? I'm bad at math. Oh shit! So ten, mar- <laughs> ten martinis, two lays, three uh, four kills, oh. and one James Bond. Bond James you Bond. you keep track of those. I'm not keeping track of those. <laughs> I just hear lays, uh, and I want some chips. Yeah, so protest. He, he he's arguing right now because there's no more turtles. <laughs> Now I'm Winnie the Pooh. Like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a rather blustery day. <laughs> Why can't anyone just, like, I can sit here and go, do, 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 I'm Colin, or I can be like, I'm Noah, I don't get a date. 
Now, what do we do when I said, I'm now an icon? That's what we did, but no. Like, why am I like eight different people? Because you don't know when there's any puppies. No, I'm fucking like, I don't know, naughty. I don't know who that was. <laughs> bring back naughty. I'd bring him back. Naughty or Shrek? Shrek. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, uh, he's an alcoholic prick in the books, but he doesn't say his naughty. name. Nowhere near. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you? Once you're done with the Bond series, you can read the Naughty series. There's lots the of alcoholic lots. prick. There's not, there is Martini's in the Naughty series. <laughs> Who's his, um, his gay lover, like Mr. Big Ears, whatever his name, Mr. Ears? Naughty is gay. He sleeps in the same room as another old man. He's gay. Oh, that is pretty gay. <laughs> right, Noah? <laughs> What's his name, Mister? What's the guy called? Big Biggies. Biggies. Why? Is I have called? no idea what either of you are talking about right now. I'm You're so naughty, naughty little no. boy, little. Is that what we're going to close he- this out with? I think we need to close out with a naughty thing. Naughty, <laughs> See, he does yeah. talk like that. He's like little boy. No, 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 no. I just yeah, did not know naughty is. Didn't know that naughty was an alcoholic or gay. <laughs> a gay, gay one. Okay. Naughty yeah. Biggies. Yeah, the character's called Biggies, although they've changed the name of it because it's now it's politically incorrect. So he's now called Mr. Squeaks. Is it not woke to well, call someone Biggies? <laughs> not woke to call someone Ben anymore. Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> it never was. Um, Whoa, yeah, so- we thank everybody for joining us here on Double See, look, <laughs> in Eden Blyton's children books, the characters Noddy and Big Ears had been acu- accused of being gay by some critics <laughs> in that they lived together and shared accused. the same bed. They shared the same bed. Oh, so this is like, this is basically Bert and Ernie then. Well, Bert and Ernie don't share a bed. They're at least in separate beds. <laughs> oh, the, the gay oh. robots from Star Wars. I want Not to apologize to Noddy, wrong with it. But- yeah, critics are what Peter Travers accusing Noddy, <laughs> accusing Noddy of being gay. Peter, how does that work? I'm accusing you of being gay. This is like, <gasps> now was a Noah's like taking offense to this thing. Like, my Noddy ain't gay, all right? <laughs> not, not my Noddy. Now that's what a Noddy Ben is- fact, <laughs> not a man Noddy- fact, a Ben fact. What Noddy and Biggie is doing there free time and where they sleep is up to them. It's not up to Peter Travers to accuse them of doing anything. You know where they should live? Azerbaijan! <laughs> Jokes in the last episode. Ha <laughs> ha! didn't finish the episode, obviously. <laughs> um, he gave up 10 minutes in. He's like, oh, this is shit. We'll, we'll cover the Noddy books after Ben's finally done the bomb. <laughs> I could be introduced to a book series. There we go. Not really. Casper would like Noddy. He doesn't Woody. like anal, but he'd like Noddy. <laughs> ah, jokes from like 50 episodes ago. No, also hasn't listened to that yet. Um, There we go. We covered three books. We got four more episodes of this and five more if we do the short stories one to go. Uh, and we'll rank them and and count them and do everything else as we go We're doing this along. every three three books. Is this what we're yes, doing? Yes, that's Jesus. we we settled on that when you said no insisted. We do it after three books. What if I are read you, like three really quickly? Are you actually going to get get this done, Ben, or is this going to be like the the one episode and then people are waiting years and like they never did book four, five, six? This will be like are well, you well, committed? This ranking project will probably now, take us six months. I, I, 
I sat down. Are you committing right now? Say, I've got to read books. Give me a moment to tell my joke first, all right? I sat down for 32 hours and ranked 440 Survivor contestants. I think the least I can do is read 13 Uh James Bond books. Yes, I will commit, all right? Commit. No, but you have to say, I've got to read book (laughs) 440. Isn't that what I just sounded like when I said I will commit? Say it. I will commit to the books in a trap, naughty biggies, <laughs> Azerbaijan. Oh, oh, okay, bye-bye. now I believe it. Now oh, I believe stomach. Oh. But it, it, in all seriousness, do you know much about the Diamonds Are Forever and From Russia With Love, Dr. No books? Like, what are you looking forward to in these ones? Now you've done the hump. Now you're heading into the vast um, depths of the book series. Honestly, outside of... Looking forward to more racism in Goldfinger um, and knowing that Spy Who Loved Me is about a teenage girl and knowing that uh, I've got some short stories to look forward to. I really don't know if I know anything else about the books. Like, I know you've talked about them in episodes and I should re-listen to your other episodes. Um, but, yeah, I, I like I don't know why The Man with the Golden Gun is not liked. Uh, I Yeah, I sort of vaguely remember bits and bobs where you've talked about Bond being a dad and can't access his daughter and you only live twice sort of being yeah like i sort of remember bits and pieces of that um so but no i go into a lot of these blind and not really well i can't read them then <laughs> i'll have to listen to the audiobooks um oh, ben disparaging the blind again here we go um ha jokes from other episodes <laughs> um but no i don't know a whole lot so i'm looking forward to them i i will kind of say i'm just gonna this is an audio episode. People can't see it. Again, I just want to point out on my Diamonds Are Forever book, I've got like cowgirl Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> um. So not Tracy, Tiffany. Tiffany. But, um, yeah. Cowgirl she's very attractive. Tiffany. That Tiffany. So yeah, yeah that's, that's a ugly cover. Yeah, I've got. So like, I was trying to. Like, this is my thing about getting this omnibus. This is where I'm like, oh, do I get it all three? Because I want them all to look the same. So so far, I've gotten all the pan versions except for the Casino Royale. I've got like the the actual Daniel Craig one of that. Um, but like the the one that I ordered for um, whatever the one is after the three in the omnibus, uh, that I think is a pan book. But yeah, like this omnibus is like got a picture of Ian Fleming on the front of it. And it's like... <laughs> like As a cowgirl too. Yeah. <laughs> Mini skirt hat. Yeah. So um, I'm... I'm I want to keep them all, but like my, I think my goal is because generally you buy these. I always go into secondhand bookstores and they're usually like five bucks, but they never got the ones um, in order. But um, I think wherever I get settled one day, one day if I'm in jail or something like that, I'd like to like go on Amazon and just buy like the box set of all of them so they all look the same and maybe get them brand new so they all, you know, because I'm a bit of a anal, not like Casper, person when it comes to everything looking the same. Because I am racist well, and I want everything like, to look not, the same. Do you mean anal like Noddy and Big Ears? Well... <laughs> You know, um, yeah. Have, what, have is you, that, what is that, Noah? Oh, it's pretty gay. It is pretty gay. Have you started the Diamonds Are Forever yet? No, the Diamonds Are Forever. I've only got Diamonds Are Forever. Um, no, I mean, like, at the time of recording this, I finished um, Moonraker two days ago. I was going to start it yesterday. I didn't. I was going to start it today. This episode's gone longer than I thought it would, so I probably won't start it tonight, but I will start it this week. Well, all this talk, I want to reread them again now. This is I, I love the bomb I, books. This is just making me want to read them again. I, I'm excited for the next three because I, I feel like 
it's not as consistent as the first three. You know, you you have at least in my opinion, and obviously Noah shared this opinion as well. You have Diamonds Are Forever, which is a little bit of a drag and then you have dr no which is a, a ripping yarn and then you got from from russia with love which is very very different like as far as breaking the formula that is fleming saying i will break this formula into a million pieces would you say uh, he uh, yet- wants to break the cycle sure he wants to. Well, would you say he wants to break the cycle? <laughs> I want to break the cycle too. What was that I song bet. that's from? <laughs> yep, shut those two up. <laughs> also, oh, yeah, by the way, Noah, thank you um, so much for providing us that uh, Skyfall karaoke clip. Came in handy recently. So, um... <laughs> what? <laughs> You said you listened to the no time to you said you listened to the no time to like commentary. You mustn't have gotten far in if you didn't hear what I played on that. I said I skipped through it. Clearly, you did not listen to the beginning quickly. That's Um, like Colin on our Patreon sign up now episode. He's like, you didn't play Die Another Day on uh, No Time to Die. I'm like, yeah, I did. Uh, Noah's got something to listen to while he's recovering. Uh, Just by the way, if you want to, if you if you want to start reading, well, let's get started. The pipeline opens with its two fighting claws held <laughs> forward like a wrestler's arms. No, 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 no. Big... do it in the voice. The pipeline opens. <laughs> oh, I can't read that word. The big pandanus scorpion emerged with a dry rustle from the finger-sized hole under the rock. Shall we continue? We've got. I mean, I've got a He's few actually hours. quite a good reader. We could do the audio. <laughs> There was a small patch of hard, flat earth outside the hole, and the scorpion stood in the center of this, in the tips of its four pairs of legs. <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> yeah, that, that's our next project. So we're going to have rankings. We're going to have commentaries. We're going to have other Bond actors. We're going to book episodes. And then we're going to have audio book reading. And Julian uh, Glover returns as Tiffany Case <laughs> to 007 while Robert Darby plays James Bond. And, you know, I, I would say what our next episode is going to be, but I'm pretty sure every episode we tease what our next episode is going to be, and it's going to be something else. So I, it will be a variety of either the next books episode, the Sean Connery. I think recap, it would be entrapment. That would be my guess. Entrapment, but, yeah. Um, maybe I read three books quickly. episode. <laughs> the, the diamonds are forever 50th anniversary plus nine months. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, Noah. Um, I want to do more of the books. Come on, Ben, hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do Die Another Day 20th Anniversary and Bond at 60. Come on. Oh, I want to do that Golden Era. Let's, let's call and watch Golden the Era. The video so game could... one. Actually, it wasn't that good. So... <laughs> <laughs> I did write After off the you talk about. Would you please come on our show to promote your movie? Yeah, it I did. Well, I did ask them to come on. No one's replied, and it was subpar so just like 007 i mean i you know it's about the same as us so i mean what else <laughs> no one asked us to come on any. yeah so well, well. if <laughs> <laughs> careful colin will say a bad word well, let's get let, let's 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 give a shout out to that person who said we were funny on reddit uh, oh yeah noah you discovered somebody likes us <laughs> yeah i can't remember who it was i'll find it <laughs> I always sure keep our, our praise like frames. We all, we always appreciate uh, shout outs. Yeah, one mention, our one we'll mention every more. three if, years. If you sign up for Patreon, you'll hear what we're talking about uh, about Smirsh and stuff like that. No, I'm going to uh, find this now. We're going to give all them the praise. Perks. Come on, one person likes us. This is like the greatest thing ever. Hang on, delay, you know delay, what? delay. If if you if you whoever you are who liked us sign up to Patreon, we will 
change our format. We will break our formula and we, we will, will give you break an autograph the cycle. picture. Um, we will give you an autograph picture of Ian Fleming signed by Nicholas Susick. NYRB2 <laughs> on Reddit. What was this Reddit thread? Noah, what was it talking about? Oh, it's like you what have it open. Why don't you tell us? Just, I don't know. I've got a screenshot of half the page. It's not the actual it website. Was, what is the best James Bond podcast? And of course, uh, we were at the very bottom. So okay, so <laughs> the other ones on this list is Kill James Bond. Both very funny and very different because they are largely about people discovering the joys of the films for the first time, but also fun personalities, just some interesting insights and funny banter. Okay, listen to Kill James oh, Bond. That couldn't be up. Mr. Pelham simply writes the Bond experience. Doesn't say why, but it sounds like a fun time. Uh, Silver Moss 2 says, I really enjoy the From Tailors with Love podcast. You can tell the yes. guy hosting is a massive fan. Uh, if you like your. Oh, you would hope shit. so. Yeah. And <laughs> NYRB2. Remember B1 and B2? But B2 is a banana we like here. I like James Bonding. But my favourite has to be 007. Those guys are hilarious. Yay. <laughs> Comedic genius. Yay. And, and, and that's a man and, fact. And <laughs> N-R-Y-B-2. I like James Bonding as well. I'm indifferent on the other one you mentioned. I have um, only that- ever listened to like three minutes of Spectre, etc. and part of James Bond Radio uh, in researching my Mark Edlitz, uh interview. so And I was on James, well, the website, but not on the actual and show. And be again. honest, does the B in NYB2 stand for Ben? Yeah. I, like, <laughs> I swear, I will swear on, give me something that is dear. I will swear on Madonna. Like, I hope, like, I Madonna will die in the next 24 hours if I'm lying. Oh, oh fuck. please <laughs> let him be NRB2. <laughs> Don't say you'd be happy if Madonna died. Come on, that's me. Um, Don't be unhappy. <laughs> Oh, fuck you both. <laughs> Ranking the Madonna albums. When are we doing that? Um, no, it was not me. No, All right. but thank you for our one mention in the last three years. I've used Reddit like three <laughs> times in my life and people go off me. Oh, Strange Survivor doesn't start in 2002, you wanker. Oh, you're racist. Go back to Survivor. Oh, so who doing the washer guard? <laughs> no, that's, that's the Survivor fan community. That's what they sound like. Anyway, uh, let's so- wrap this up. Let's wrap this up. Uh, listen to whatever our next one is. We'll eventually get to Sean Connery and Entrapment. We'll eventually get to Sean Connery and Entrapment. But until then, my I'm name is Colin. Jones. <laughs> my name is Colin and visit Charles Pan Fried Chicken in Harlem. And my name is Nora and cheers, big ears. <laughs> and my name is Ben and I was going to say what Colin said, but I've already said that before and we got cancelled. So moving on. <laughs> Noddy, the little man with the red and yellow car. Noddy, his tinkling bell means he's the happiest little fellow in all Toyland. There's Biggie's and Tubby and Mr. Plot and all his special friends. It's sixpence an adventure, then he'll take you home again. Noddy, Noddy. Noddy, Noddy.